Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. With over 21 class-leading brands, Wakeling Automotive is home to your next new car. Call Maddie anytime. 1300 01 1170 or text 0457 736 736. Welcome to Morning Glory with Maddie Johns. Yes, welcome, friends. How are you all? Our final show for 2022. I know, I'm getting emotional as well. And what a show we have for you today. Of course, look, we're going to... Kick it off with the biggest story in rugby league is uh, Des Hasler's sacking. Uh, Webby's written an article today, uh, hit him with the poison pen, so to speak. This little play on words. Thanks, guys. Uh, we're going to oh, right throughout the show. It's going to be littered with rugby league world cup. We've got sound advice, movie of the week. Uh, welcome, Sydney Morning Herald's Andrew Webster. Webby, how are you, mate? I'm okay. Yeah, a little bit wounded, aren't you? <laughs> I'm a little bit wounded. We had a few beers yesterday. We did. We it was like a in manly a, a territory. Pre- yes. Yes. In Heartland. Yes. There was lots of question there at the Harbord Beach Hotel asking what is going on. Well, they were asking you. Yes. No one had any I said, idea who I was. I said, <laughs> ask that bloke over there. He's writing an art. He's written, in the midst of writing an article, taking no prisoners. Maestro, how are you, mate? Very, very well. Better than the Manly Seagulls. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's how I'd sum it up. And uh, Prince of Pennant Hills, Benny Hogarth. How are you going, Ben? I'm very well, Matthew, despite my team falling in a heap. And looking at the wooden spoon next year. You guys do politics. If there was a grand final with politics <clears throat> in sport, you guys you guys are there every we year. We're up there with We're Brisbane. up there as well, but it's the one grand final you beat us in. You used to do it better than anyone. Yeah, yesterday was a very, very disappointing uh, day for um, us diehard Seagulls fans. I don't know where we go from. Ben, and you noticed I said, and welcome, Prince of Pennant Hills. At mm. this point, I usually go... And welcome, uh, the eighth immortal, Andrew Joey Johns. Welcome, Joey. And I get a grunt back. Unfortunately, Joey isn't here. Uh, he hasn't turned up this morning. Uh, apparently, he's going to turn up. I've just been told he's going to turn up uh, at 10 o'clock. Uh, he went for a surf, got stung by a, uh, a jellyfish. I don't know if jellyfish can sting you, but apparently it stung him and he's got a, an allergic reaction. So uh, pray for Joey. Hopefully he gets through. Um, guys, before we get underway, I just want to take Vossi to task. Throughout early uh, in the show, he in his show this morning, he made a comment that Mark Wahlberg's movie Father Stew is a great watch. Uh, Vossi, if you're listening over there in uh, up there in the UK in Manchester, mate, it is one of the greatest turds of a movie <laughs> I've ever seen. What? I've never heard of it. Uh, there's a reason for yeah. that. <laughs> you only go express release, straight yeah. to DVD, Father's... straight to video. Yeah, it's you've seen it, Ben. Uh, I saw the trailer and thought, no, who's in it? That is not for me. Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg. You know, he's got a, he's got a dud one in him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's got a, a few. D- yeah, a movie. Yeah. 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 The ultimate rocks or diamonds actor. Yeah. Yes, yes. He, I think, has been more rocks of lately. You know what? What happens, right? Just riddle me this. We're one moment. At one moment, guy is a list. 
Then mm. suddenly, when you start to see their movies pop up on Fox TV, I'm not going to watch that because I know it's going to be a turd. Mate, Morgan Freeman's gone to there. Mm. Like Morgan Freeman, yeah. hottest act. Bruce Willis Bruce went Willis. there a fair while it's ago. It's a Bruce Willis effect. Guys, can I just say something hugely unpopular here? I think Brad Pitt's on the cusp of that. No, he just won an Oscar. What for? For uh, What's the Time what's in Hollywood? A couple of years. Yeah, yeah. No, that a couple made, years made, ago. He made Bullet Train. Oh, That's the only thing he's done. But his next film, shocking. his next film looks amazing. Okay. Bullet Bundle Train line. was a turd. I know, well. okay. I, know it's got a cult, I know it's got a cult following uh, World War Z. Oh, yeah. wow. Believable, too. It could happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, as I said before, Rugby League World Cup's going to be littered through the show. We've tipped the show upside down here because of the non appearance with, uh, speaking of turds, Andrew John. <laughs> but, uh, people, it is time for Webstar. Never thought forever was the best I could do. Opening the batting today, Webby. Congratulations. It was you and me, and then it was Anthony Seabold. Oh, yes. <laughs> After the events of uh, uh, of yesterday, uh, Manly finally pulled the trigger on Des Hasler yesterday. I, I was texting and uh, and talking to people at the start of the week about all of um, all of this with Des Hasler and what's going on at Manly, and someone pretty close to it texted back and said, let the game of chess begin. Yeah. So I reckon the two significant chess moves in the last 48 hours was Des going... I'll, I'll go with your conditions. He called their yes. bluff. He's so shrewd. And I think what people also don't understand is that he's also managed by George Mimas, who's been around for 20, yeah. 30 years. He and knows where all the bodies are buried. And he's done all the <laughs> – he does know where all the bodies are buried. And he knows where they're buried at Manly. And he has negotiated the last two uh, exits and payouts for Des Hasler, first at Manly, then at, then at the Dogs, then at Manly again. Yeah. So um, I think – uh, George is quite adept at um, at these type of negotiations. So he, he they, they're they're firm in the belief that they're on strong grounds for a reasonable settlement. Yeah, right. Um, and that's where it's going with the lawyers. You said about Des being so shrewd. There, there was everyone was saying they're going to bring Anthony Seabold. That was the belief, almost certainly, that Des could not work with Seabs. Uh, everyone, it was written in the paper that is absolutely no chance. And the manly administration heard the worst possible thing when Des said, yeah, no worries, I can work with him. Because then straight away they go, okay, we're going to have to sack him. 100%. Uh, but, but but it was always going to go that way. Like, yeah. it, that was the result. I, I, well, I think they knew that he wasn't going to work with him, but thought that he'd blow up and go yes. without having to pay him. And yes. that's what this all is. Mm. We can sit there and talk about the rainbow jumper and you can yep. talk about all the uh, about about foot, about the football club, a uh, football department not performing as Scott Penn said when he was the proverbial rabbit in the headlights when Danny Widler mm. doorstopped him at Brookvale on Tuesday for Channel 9. It, it was just about Des wanting, and it's, it's just got echoes of what happened at the Broncos for mine, yeah. mm. where, where Wayne wanted an extra year and was going to bring through his, um, anoint his successor, um, and the Broncos board didn't want it to happen, and that's what's happened here. Well, I watched that, uh, the press conference with Daly Cherry Evans and Des on the Pride jersey. I thought Des handled that outstanding. And now to say that uh, that's... Yeah, that's the reason. And he threw the Penn family under the bus. And I he threw he management under the bus. I was in uh, Birmingham covering the Commonwealth Games, so I only saw bits and pieces uh, and edited parts from it. So I sat down before I wrote about this issue in the Herald today and watched it the whole twenty-three minutes. And it's 
to say that he threw management under the bus, he threw himself under the bus. Yeah. He apologised on behalf of himself. Yes. Even though even though he wasn't to blame, I thought he took the bullets. Mm. When Scott Penn didn't, when no board member did, when the acting CEO, acting CEO uh, didn't front, mm. when the person who was responsible for the jumper didn't front. Yep. So, yes. you know, it, it was it was an admirable thing that Des Hasler did. Um, Webby, early in the week you were on Matty White's show and Matty knows what uh, – uh, Tony Mestrov mm. very well for a long, long time. He said Tony Mestrov was not brought in to get rid of Des Hasler. He was brought in, in my opinion. I think, I think, even, it, I think it was certainly part of it. I, and I'll put it this way. I think uh, even if Tony Mestrov didn't know who was brought in for that primary reason, I think that was the objective. Precisely. And my thing is what has Des done? Is it totally that they're looking for a completely different regime change in Manly so that the Manly that we've always known, uh, all the power brokers, they're just trying to shift that completely on? Is that what's taking place? I reckon place? for sure. That's, that's, I think I said it last week. What, what did they expect from Des? Des is the control freak. Mm. We know that. And that was the issue with the Bulldogs. After Ray Dibb and Todd Greenberg, it depends on who you talk to there, a ceded control, control to him. Um, and then they try to rest it off him and then and then end up paying a million dollars um, when it got in the hands of the lawyers. And I think it's a little bit the same at Manly. Manly's a little bit different to uh, Canterbury in the sense that uh, the chair, Scott Penn, lives in New York. Yeah. So he, he, he runs that club via remote control. And they've had 14 CEOs in 14 yeah. years. Yes. Like it's just a revolving door of CEOs. So, so you know, the, Des has had to get involved, had to take control. Makes you wonder, what do they want this club to look like? You know, yeah. What, 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 what's but what's da, the end but game? That's the thing I, why Tony Mestrov was brought in for change. Mm. Yeah. And, and you know what? The Pens can do that. Yeah. If they don't think Des is the coach and that the, and they're not going to extend him into 24, what, which is what he wanted, that's fine. That's their decision. But don't, don't do this to a club legend. Don't do it, do it to a coach that – you know, is not the worst one out there. Yeah. And don't do it when you don't have a, a better replacement. And, and as much as I like Siebes, and as much as I think he's a good coach and a coach of the future, if he couldn't handle the politics of Brisbane, mm. I don't know how he'd get eaten alive at Manly. And that's what I'm worried yeah, about. The, with the Manly we know. With the Manly we know, We know, yes. definitely. Um, yeah, you're 100% right to, to, to try to blame it on the pride jersey and stuff like that. As you said before, if they want a regime change, you know, that's their prerogative. They can do it. But it's just the manner in which it's been done. Yeah. So, uh, some of your words uh, words you used in the column today, uh, I think it was pissing on a club legend. Yes. Well, that's where you need the cartoonist. Boo Bailey to draw a picture. <laughs> exactly. And basically, Des laying there under a golden shower. I d- oh, wow. Oh, that, that, uh, that escalated just uh, then, didn't yes. it? No, it, uh, look, I did come off a long run and there was a – there's a few phrases you like to, you know, you've got to keep the subs on their toes. Of course, you and know. they just let a few things through. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Seabold, uh, gentlemen, he's expected at the office today. When does? No, I think I think he's not coming until they sort out the um, yeah. the payout and the, you know how it's all settled with Des before he gets his feet under the desk. But it is almost November, so they're going to have to get moving. And I tell you what, okay, the next question: Des is so close; he's a player's man. He uh, is. Yeah, he's a player's man, and the, the players love him. Uh, we, what does this mean for the players, specifically the, Tom and Tom and Jay Trebojevic? I, I think I think the the noise around Tom um, and the and the statement that the Trebojevic has put out during the week was just as I said a move on the chessboard. Mm-hmm. 
I think uh, the reports today that he's having a crisis meeting with his manager is also a move on the chessboard. The problem for the, for Turbo in particular, he's on 1.1 until the end of 26. Now, even if, like any club would take him in a heartbeat, but it, realistically, it's almost near we're impossible to happen. We're going to offer him 300 at Newcastle. <laughs> and, mate, he's got so much to offer up there, the club and the city. Mate, it'd be great. I can it, see him living It's a can-do club at the moment, the Knights. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing him uh, just living on a place on Merriweather Beach. I think it would suit he and Jake just perfectly. Uh, but you're right, you know, and, and and Tom and Jake, to understand those two young blokes, they are just pure manly. You know, and people always react when when things like this happen with Des. People always go, "That's it, I'll never go to Brookvale again. I'm, I'm getting rid of my membership." But people do. But I tell you now, if Tom and Jake, for whatever reason, decided to walk, then mate, it's that, that club goes back 15 years without it, a doubt. Yeah, it's it's they can't they can't let that happen, and I don't think they will. Um, yeah, as I said, I, I hope it works out for Sieves, but I'm just – and you're right. It's, it, it, the manly that we know will eat him alive. But if, if, if Scott Penn's trying to change it – but you yeah. know what they should do, though? Just say it. Just say it. That's Mate, all you Because that column I wrote today saying the problem isn't Hasler, it's Scott Penn. Mm. I don't think I've ever had a response about a club column more than I have with this column in terms of emails coming in in the last – uh, Since it went online okay, yesterday positive afternoon. versus negative? All positive. All positive. Everyone's saying, thank God someone said it. Yeah, to right. be honest, that's why I wrote it. What? Because I could see that, that it was begging to be written. Mm. What do you think, uh, part of the regime change? Because there's, there's, there's been consortiums out there that have tried to buy the club off the Penn family. Mm. Uh, they've been reluctant to sell. Do you see that happening in the near, near future? Well, apparently the asking price is 40 mil. And the reason why it's gone to 40 mil is because of that new centre of excellence, which isn't actually... Manly's asset. It's the council's asset. Mm. If anything, it's a liability because you've got to run it. Mm. So I know they've had they've had um, uh, offers of about twenty to twenty five million. Pretty much what you're on per year. You, you, maybe no, you should buy your liver. I'm not taking a pay cut for anything. <laughs> <laughs> how you feeling, Ben? How, how you feeling about? Uh, mate, the the thing that concerned me yesterday was the, the as we we're talking about the crisis meeting of Tommy. Like, yes, coaches come and go. Yes, it's bad to see a club legend like Desi go, but. If Tommy or Jake go to Newcastle, decide, yeah, go to Newcastle for three hundred thousand dollars and the live dragons. on Merryweather Mary, <laughs> Beach, that made that that will set the cat amongst the pigeon. I had, I had multiple text messages from diehard Manly friends yesterday, and they're at a spin. Like you're losing Des and then potentially but you know, Tommy. You know, Jake was a Newcastle supporter growing up. Yeah. We nearly got him to Newcastle because De- he was Jake was a guy when he first came into grade had a bad ankle injury and was sort of stuck behind, behind a number of good forwards. I remember talking to him, and he was a bit, you know, when he he, a bit of discontent. wasn't sure if he was going to get a go at Manly. Well, mate, we'll take it to Newcastle. He's like, okay, you know, think about it. Never did. Uh, is, this, but, is this a sales pitch today? Are you, well, trying, what I, what I, are you trying to buy? Well, Jake? Let, let me just say this, right? I think it, I think it'd be a very good combination. Tom Travoyevich fullback, Callum Ponger in six. I think there's a future there. And Jakey in thirteen. Why not? Why not? <laughs> throw them all yeah, in. Throw, in. <laughs> throw, throw them all in. Wow. Uh, um, I tell you what, Webby, we're going to talk about George Kambosis and 
Devin Haney. We might just hold it back a little bit. Sure. Uh, we've got to get to the news. No, we don't actually. Just well, we need to get a break. You just want to cut me off. Excellent article though, mate. Thank you. Well, congratulations. The pen is mightier oh, than the pen. You are. <laughs> <laughs> you are literally the poison pen this morning. We'll take a break. We're going to talk about the World Cup next. Yes, and later on the show, we've got Sound Advice with Jack Johns, which is uh, what a way to finish uh, ACDC's Highway to Hell, that album. Uh, the Shining is the movie of the week. And look, the top of the second hour, we're going to do this off the top, but uh, as I said, Joey's recovering from a jellyfish bite. Um, we're going to just talk about the World Cup and an interesting chat, you know, to talk about Joey in 1995 went away in the World Cup as a fringe player and don't get him player of the tournament. And it was a career-defining and career-changing uh, tournament for Joey. So we're going to talk through that if he's in the mood to talk because, as you know, sometimes he just he just isn't. Okay, now... <laughs> Salma, Samoa versus England, early hours of Sunday. It's the first match, St. James's Park in Newcastle, 40,000 expected. Before we talk about the game, let's talk about the warm-ups. It um, happened last week. Tonga, 48, France, 12. David Feeder, hat-trick. Uh, Greece, Bradford Northern had a 34-all draw. Lebanon, 38, Wales, 22. Good result for Michael Checker there. Okay, this one, now this concerns me uh, from an England point of view. New Zealand, 74, Leeds, nil. Now, Leeds were missing a few plays, but the Kiwis rested five or six of their very best. Leeds were the grand finalists. Now, my, my concern for England is that in the last two or three seasons, Webby, the NRL has gone up a level or two. Mm. And I think England may have a very difficult tournament, particularly if, you know, what could really pop their balloon, and it's a big chance of happening if Samoa in the opening game absolutely pound them. <laughs> and more so if they make the final because they're on England's side of the draw. It is a real shame. I'm putting this from a Kangaroos perspective. It is a real shame that the Kangaroos haven't played since 2019 and ranked fourth in the world. So they're on the same side of the draw as, as New Zealand. Mm. And it sort of, so it robs, it robs the tournament of the likely final, mm. but it, the, uh, the, the, the silver lining is that it, it gives someone like a Samoa a chance to, yeah. to be there, which Samoa, would be great for international footy. It would be fantastic. It'd be very good. Uh, the Samoan side, we've said this before, is it's a cracker. And this is where I think they'll win the game. I just can't see England containing their yardage game. So in yardage, they're going to kick <clears> downfield. <throat> Suwali is going to start the sets of six. We'll see how he just bends the line back. Then you've got To'o and Targo. And then you've got Junior Polo and Josh Papali'i coming off the back. It, it's just a... It's a beautifully balanced side. We're just saying off here, I, I like Tyrone May at 9-2. Yeah. He'll yep. be, be very nippy out of... Uh, Dummy half, but Suwali. Mate, I, I was having a chat to my dear Winding mate. up mm. off the back fence, I was having returning a, the ball. Chat to my dear mate, Brian Carney. You tackle You tackle He him. works for um, Sky, of course. I think the BBC are doing that. He, he's not working. And what happened, he was asking me some of the Samoan players. Hey, he hasn't seen a lot of Suwali. And I, I said, mate, he's, I said, you wait till he actually starts bending that line back on kick returns. Mm. I said, I've really seen a young bloke with such size and power. Mm. And the English crowds traditionally, they love um, they love a big, big, quick back rower. Yep. Oh, sorry, uh, uh, outside back. Yep. They, lo- they love Mal. Yep. I w- I've seen, I've covered games with Inglis over there when he when he just bust tackles. Ke- and Kevin Ira. Yep. <laughs> he, when he played <laughs> yes. Kev, yeah, they loved yeah, him. absolutely. They called Paul Newlove. You can hear him, they ooh. ooh. Yes. Ooh. You know, they always ooh. go, they go, Oh, go on, lad. Go <laughs> on, lad. We went, we went to Thrummall at Halifax. Halifax played Castleford. And Thrummall was this amazing ground that actually sloped down into a corner 20 metres. Remember that? Do you, yeah, you yeah, been yeah. to Thrummall? No, I, I, know, I know what you're talking about. And it was, used to be 
not run with the wind or against the wind. It was run uphill or downhill. Yeah. It was absolutely remarkable. And remember going to the game and sitting there in the grandstand in 1995 at the World Cup, me and Joey sitting there, and every time Twyro Nicow got the ball, the whole ground, would you hear that thick uh, Yorkshire I said, oh, go on, lad, go on, lad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I remember watching uh, G.I., um, play against England. It was, it was Sam Burgess' first game against Australia in 2009 at DW Stadium in Wigan. And they you, you would have thought they were cheering for Australia. Like yeah. they, they were just infatuated with GI, well, who put on an absolute clinic. As big a, as big a, like a superstar and legend as Mal Meninga is in Australia, he's even bigger in England. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, played for St. Helens, Helens, yeah. Got BBC Sportsman of the Year twice. Yeah, incredible. In- incredible. It really was. The England side, look, uh, the core of the side, there's a lot of players who are playing or sampled uh, NRL football. Big one, Victor Radley. The key men, in my opinion, Victor Radley and and, uh, and Bateman, John Bateman. Now, those two, that combination of the back row, caught, there's a fair bit of aggression there, a little mm. bit of crazy there, a bit of ball playing. Mm. Uh, Dom Young, fantastic to see young Dom get it. And talk about big outside backs, he's certainly one of those. Tommy Burgess, Herbie Farnworth, Luke Thompson, George Williams. It's The core of the side is still strong. But it's whether they can handle the Samoan, uh, the size and the, and, the, and the power of their yardage. And I also think for some of these teams, the issue will be depth. Definitely. You know, throughout, it's a long tournament, mm. seven weeks. And just if they get some injuries to some key players, that's where Australia's mm. ahead of the rest, really, because they've just got depth, particularly in the halves, across the board. So see, halves and across the board. Sue Gus came out and said England can't win this game. And they went to Sam Tonkins and said... Uh, Gus Gould said you can't win this game. He goes, I don't even know who Gus Gould is. I said, Sam, <laughs> I said, Sam oh. mate, you played, you had two years out here with the Warriors. I'm pretty sure you know who he is. Uh, Not a bad little comeback, though. It's pretty good. Mm. Uh, who wins this game? Uh, Samoa, mm. I think. To what extent do you think? Mm. I don't know. It's it's at St James Park at uh, at Castle. Newcastle on Tyne, so mm. um, so it'll be heaving. I think I think a crowd might, and it's the first game. It might, it, it it'll work in England's favour, obviously. And I think I think, I think I think I think it'll. Uh, I still think Samoa will win, but I just think it'll be. Tight. I don't think it'll be a blowout. If you're going to have a bet, it'd be fair to have a bet on a draw because you have a look at the way they're structured. Like, that'd be Ooh, I like pretty that. decent. Bet probably mm. get about twenty six to one, maybe. Uh, what do you think, Ben? I. It's all about the meterage, and I think that Samoa yeah. have the meters. Like you look. You took about Papali'i and you took about Paulo to start the game. Then you got big Spencer Leno coming off the bench. Oh, he's a great and player. in the grand yeah. final, yeah. mate, he was and, a beast. And you said all those, a lot of those guys played football at least into mid September. Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're, they're battle hardened. Maestro, yeah. you're, you're a Samoa man. I got on them to win that opening game about four weeks ago, and now they're oh, favourites. Good punny. So I'm, I'm very happy. Dollar sixty five. Interesting you say that because I mean, last week you went to Gamblers Anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think hey. I think Samoa, but I think it'll be I think it'll be really tight. England will be up emotionally, but Samoa yeah. Samoa to to make the final now playing two dollars forty. Well, that's the thing, right? Samoa, Tonga, and England are the three sides on that side of the draw. Who do you, who do you think goes through? I th- I, I think it's Samoa. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I tend to think it if they if they well. stay if they stay fit and healthy, yeah, geez, they're, they're in. Geez, it'd be a, a big semi final, Samoa versus Tonga. That that'll be something special. I've, and I, look, I've said this, I've said this before. People, I'm going to say it again. You know, it's like you say. Look, in my humble opinion, Mel, this is not a humble opinion because I know I'm right. Right, I think we have to have plans to have a Pacific, uh, a Pacific aside in the NRL. 
Mm. I think I think they should be looking for that to be the 18th side. So, um, yeah, tap yeah. into it. There you go. I've said it. There you go. Get the and you and you know what you said it well. Appreciate that. We'll take a break. <laughs> After the break, we're going to talk about soccer World Cup. And top of the third hour, we're going to talk about Australia versus Fiji. Have a discussion about. Uh, Firstly, Joey's opinion on the uh, the number system. God, I hate it. I saw Mal Meninga come out, and Mal said he wasn't consulted on it. He, he wasn't aware of it. Surely that was a that was a very very pointed comment from Mal. I thought. Mm. Sure, surely we can just change it. Surely we no, can't no. be that inflexible. That anyway, whatever's best for the game, but it ain't. Uh, boys, soccer World Cup uh, edging closer. Maestro, another week, another controversy. Almost fourteen hundred English fans. Banned from attending the World Cup in Qatar. And this came from the English side of the equation. So the Home Office have said, 1,300 of you, you're not going. Mm. Due to previous convictions, and obviously with the title laws in Qatar, they don't want to wreck the English supporters' reputation more than it already has been. So, yeah, 1,300 of them not being allowed to travel, I think it'll probably be a good thing. Alex, uh, (laughs) end of the day. You've been to a World Cup? No. Yeah. Still very much on the bucket list. I'm going to try and be there in, I think it's going to be in the US in 2026. So I'm yeah. aiming there. I'm yeah. aiming there. I was saying this was originally going to be the USA's World Cup, mm. but Michel Platini, uh, he flip-flopped at the last moment and went mm. to Qatar. And I think he was I think he was charged with something. Yes, well, he's no longer the president of UEFA. Fantastic footballer, Michel Platini. Oh, yes. uh, not as good as a as a football administrator, that's for no. sure. Now, huge... be diff- it be, it's going to be different, yeah. Because like, oh, they, re- they reckon the, so. like, talking to Graham Arnold, they reckon the the stadiums are freezing mm. with air conditioning. Like you've got to sit there with puffer jackets mm. on because it's so cold in the stand. Yeah. Yeah. But outside, it's forty. But the accommodation degrees. and everything. Is being a disaster, yeah, and, and just the ability to go and let your hair down. Mm. It's got to be in certain sections. Cost money to get in. It's going to cost a mint to have a beer, and you've got to be at a rave, which is going to be fun. You're going to be at a rave. Yeah, mm. have, have you heard this? Oh, it <laughs> sounds like a great world. Oh, <laughs> I think, I think, it might have been Webby. Might that, have been away. Yeah, so oh. they've you know the spider they have at Glastonbury. You ever seen that? So they've flown that over to Qatar, and it's one of the designated drinking zones. But it's running from like eight till. Four, eight in the morning till four in the morning. They're having about a four-hour break, and but you have to pay eighty bucks to get in. It's one of the only places you can get a beer. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you'd be With, watching much oh, football. <laughs> can you imagine what would be going on there? I mean, you know what happens? Raves parties. Oh. <laughs> Bloody hell. Rhymes oh. with pingers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, huge, huge story. A man who many believe to be the best player in the world, Kylian Mbappe, has been granted his wish and will leave PSG. Uh he, want, he wants to go to Real Madrid. Mm. Uh, PSG say no way. Uh, the presence of Messi and Neymar appears to be the thing that's got Mbappe's nose out of joint. Yes, so he has – there's too many stars, according to Mbappe. He wants only two. If it was his choice, it would be him and Messi, and Neymar would have been shipped off. PSG are not too keen to do that. Imagine that. Imagine complaining about having too many stars around you. It's bizarre. Yeah. And now the only club – that could probably afford to pay his wages now at Manchester City. They've got a pretty good striker going around at the moment called Erling Haaland. My God. Scored 20 goals in his first 13 games for the club. So and I don't think they're yeah. going to pick him up. So and there's that's no the way for him to go. And that's the problem. If you want to, all the clubs that you want to go to, mm. there are stars there. You're not going to walk in there and be the, the singular star unless you go to a club where you have to, you know, basically have 25% of your current wage. Is he, is he worth it, Mbappe? 
Well, I know well, he's, a, I know he's, ex- I know he's ex- yeah. exceptional player. Do, do you but, know what? Here's the geez. thing about it. He he just did a two-year extension. Yeah. The richest deal in the history of football where they gave him a slice of the club. And even that is not enough. Didn't he drop the shoulder into Messi on the field? I can't say I've seen that, but there was a point yeah. at the start of the it, season it, it, where they weren't passing to each other and things like really petty I mean, stuff. It was like a bit of clickbait, but it, it, you can see him. He sort of just nudges into turns Messi, in. and Messi turns and goes, what was that? Yeah, I, yes. I think it was like a little brush, but it was enough for Messi to respond. Because you look at back in the day at Barcelona, you had Suarez, Messi, and Neymar up front. Well, Messi, and Neymar, Messi and Neymar together have won a Champions League. Like yeah. They're a very good partnership. They play well together. Um, yeah. And Barpay could be the third piece of that puddle, puzzle like Luis Suarez was back then, but, but he's he not keen to be the third. Liverpool are keen, but can't pay anywhere near his wages. But we'll see what happens. Alex, good for the Socceroos. Fantastic. Because if he... we. We got France first up. Notorious slow starters, France. And if their best player is unhappy and disgruntled, it helps uh, our man, Arnie Boy. I've been saying it uh, every time I've been asked on this station for the last three weeks. This group is ours for the taking. If Arnie can get everything right, get everything together, France are out of joint. Tunisia are very, very beatable. More than Peru were at the last World Cup. Yep. Uh, I think they're a great, great chance. So of don't we? All, don't we usually get draw the? Pool well, of death. We always get, we the get our media like to say it's the group of death. This is oh, not the group, group of death pool. by any stretch of the imagination. What is the group of death? Uh, probably Group E. So it's got Germany, Spain, and Japan, who I think yeah. are the strongest of the Asian teams in there. So that's the one to look out for. And oh, that's yeah. where Croatia are going to run into problems. I know we were talking okay. off air, Matty. Yeah. Croatia are going to run into problems because they're going to face the second team from that group, which yeah. is going to be difficult in the round of 16. Okay, predictions for top four. Mm. Alex, I've gone Germany because Germany always yep. they perform. I've got Argentina. You said before, Messi is getting back to peak form. France, just because France are always in the bout, they'll have a slow start to pick up. And I've gone Croatia mm. ahead of Brazil just because Croatia are one of those sides you always underestimate but always punch above their weight. Yeah, I think the problem's actually going to be before that for them. I just yep. talked about it. So they've got to face Germany or Spain probably. And if they don't get them, they'll get Japan who are comfortable in those Asian stadiums. They've been playing in the Middle East all through qualifying. So um, I think they're going to find it difficult there. But if they get through that, absolutely, I can see them in the final. Whatever, Whatever you said. Yep, okay. <laughs> well, uh, but didn't you say last week, Maestro, the mm. South American teams, they're, they're the ones yeah. that are expected yeah. to I like perform. Argentina and Brazil to meet in a semi-final. If they both top their group, they'll meet on the same side of the draw. Because I did semi. go and line up what you, your predictions with the market. Yep. <laughs> in, in, my, in Maestro, I trust. Yes. And Brazil at $5, the favourites. $5 is still a lovely, juicy bet mm, to start juicy. off. That was Ooh. one of the most bizarre things I ever saw at, at the German World Cup. Was it the German World Cup? No, it wasn't German World Cup. The, was it the last World Oh. It was in the Brazilian World Cup where they'd beaten 7-1. Yeah, in the semi-final. In the semi-final when Neymar was injured. And I remember, like, watching. At one point, I yelled out to my wife, Trish, you've got to come and have a look at this. And the soccer as well. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was it literally... Was Germany oh. like five nil up or something after thirty minutes? And in, you're going, I'm I was a bit, there. You were there. I was there. Oh. I, I flew out the next day. I was there. I did. It's the best brief ever. I, I I was responsible for writing color at the World Cup in Brazil. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um. Yeah. It was. Uh. It was colourful. I tell you what we'll do. We'll uh, we'll take a uh, quick break, and after the break, we're going to talk about the Everest. And welcome back to Morning Glory. Later in the uh, the show, our movie of the week: the Liam Alexander, Jack Nicholson's The Shining. What a way to finish the year! Just with Uplifting. extreme horror, uh, <laughs> gore. Uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, he has joined us in the studio. The eighth immortal, Andrew Johns. Good morning. 
Thank you for the studio audience there. <laughs> now, mate, you all right? Everything okay? No, the young bloke's crook. Yeah. Been away surfing. Mm. He's got some reef cuts on him. Up last couple of nights vomiting because I had to take him to the doctors, get it mm. checked out. Well, that's a good – you're a good father. Well, mm. um, it's if, nice to, I haven't been in the doctors for ages. It's nice to go to the doctors without getting an injection in your backside for yeah. being for crook. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have, you got gotcha. any, have you got any reef cuts? Yeah, a few. Finger other crook? things too going on. How, yeah, how, are the, how are the waves in Vanuatu? Good. Great spot. And it's only three hours away. Mm. So you could go for an extended weekend, three three days, four days. Mm. Really good spot. So where did you stay? Because I know people who own Timeshare, would you believe it, okay. in Vanuatu, and they reckon it's it, it looks sensational. I played at a resort, stayed at a resort called Eratap. Oh, that's the expensive one. Geez, someone's doing good. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, everything said, you know, it's good for kids. You just... Yeah. Palm them off, leave them, let them swim all day. Don't worry about sunscreen. We're talking about. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> We're talking all the do-gooders. Talking about Mal before Mal Meninga. Mal's got that's his uh, heritage. You got a lot of family yeah, yeah. there. Is that Melanesian people? Is that what they call? They're not Polynesian. They're Melanesian. Yeah, Melanesian. Yes. But like those places, great people. Yeah. You go to those places and they've got nothing. They're the happiest people in the world. Same as Fiji. It's a lesson for you. I think we can they? learn a lot. You, it's a lesson for you. Were, they, were, were you recognised? No. 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 Actually, I got called Matty Johns once. Yeah. I'm so huge no, at Vanuatu. No good. <laughs> no good that bike. So when I played a Wigan, someone said, uh, you know, oh, do, do, do you get recognised in Australia? I said, let me tell you something. I'm huge down there. And yeah, I do get recognised in Australia. You don't get it. No, I don't get it, No, it's okay. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. Yeah. Now, uh, Those to, oh, mate, fair dinkum. Uh, the Everest. Tomorrow, huge day, Webby. Before we get on, I'll tell you what hasn't, when he came up with the concept, the Golden Eagle and, and the Everest and Kosciuszko, the Melbourne Racing Club just laughed at Pitiful Andes. Said, still a little man, but geez, he's caused huge dam- damage to some of their big races. He, this one, the Caulfield Cup day, has been almost destroyed. As he likes to call himself, he's a disruptor. Mm. But it was he was just doing his job as CEO of Racing New South Wales. There was a whole... In October for like a, for big races uh, in in the spring in Sydney, and after the Epsom, it was always a little on Grand Final weekend. It was always a you know pretty quiet, and he come up with a race, and not just a race. Like Australians love sprinters, mm. and he he based it on the Pegasus from overseas with with slot holders, which has added a really interesting dynamic. But he yeah, they did the VRC in particular love looking down their nose at him and mm. and um, and saying you know you. you you, you're not going to, you know, you're coming up with all these crazy ideas. But the Everest, just by the sheer prize money, $15 million is incredible mm. for a race. Isn't it, it, it almost highlights the difference between the two cities. Melbourne Racing Club, very snooty. Uh, and Sydney Racing, very brash. Very brash, like yeah. a party. And that's two different countries, isn't it? it Melbourne really is. and Sydney. So true. The northern states and the southern states are so different. So sense different. Of, sense of humour. Like if you listen to some of the radio stations with Melbourne DJs, you just can't listen. Anyone in particular? Oh, there's a couple. Um, <laughs> mate, Nature Strip, a dollar ninety-five favourite. Uh, I tell you, who's the biggest threat, guys? Thank you to Bernard Fanning, who's coming to the studio. Lost and running, <laughs> Joey. It's flying at the moment. I actually spoke to Huey Bowman. Actually, you rung me this morning, <clears throat> and uh, as usual, Hugh, very confident. He said, "I'm on a really good horse, and the horse has got the best jockey." Mm. Mm. He could have gone. Yeah. Yeah. Great job, gotcha. J Max. I tell you really what, John, John, John O'Shea, the trainer's flying at the moment too. He had a, he could have a fat weekend because he's got um, he's what? 
What a great expression. Fat weekend. Are That's, you fat yeah. shaming? Him? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, no. I'm going to have a fat <laughs> weekend myself, actually. <laughs> Sit there and eat, eat and drink a weekend. No, I'm actually not. I don't like big crowds anymore. I used to go all the time, but I used to cover it. It's 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 an insane day, a huge crowd. You don't want to be you don't want to be trying to find an Uber and a cab out Who, of there. Who's the musical act? Uh, Peking Duck. Oh yeah, right. Mm. Oh, but it's not, it's not Bruno Mars. No, no. But Peking Duck, they're young uh, Northern Beaches boys. Peking Duck. I'm not sure if they're Northern Beaches, but okay. young Electro House, which I know, which is. Right up mm. your alley, man. Tell, tell you what, I do like it's a, it's, it's a, a younger crowd. That's 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 what he people. That's what he that's what Philandy's wisely marketed mm. for, and as a consequence, like they get huge crowds there. Would like, you they'll say probably a, get thirty. They're talking about thirty, I think. The eighteen to twenty-five or eighteen to thirty-five, which is I think. No, I think it's twenty-three to thirty-five. I think it's more the. I think it's eighteen to twenty-five. Okay. Sure yeah. about that. I think it's oh, I don't know. 24 to 29. Oh, it's a bit hard to tell when you're in the corporate boxes. <laughs> Actually, exactly. No, it's all for us young people. I think it's 18 to 51. So uh, Everyone goes. Uh, uh, yes, Every, yes. Everyone loves to punt and drink. They certainly do. How, how about is the Cawthorne Cups on tomorrow? Yeah. Will that be on because it is torrential. They're having, they've got the rain bomb down oh. in Melbourne. Oh. It's pretty much underwater. I'm interested. To, I'm not going to make a decision on the race until um, – until I see what the track's doing, but if it's a, if it can get to a seven soft seven or eight, I'll um, I like Mars Crusader. I watched its run last year where it just missed the kick, weaved its way through the through the uh, the field on the t- from the turn, and got done by I think so half Ed- a head. Eduardo is one of those horses that always occasionally just jumps out of the ground, yeah, pinches it. And I'm pretty sure it's the only one that only horse that's beaten Nature Strip. Mm. There you go. You heard it here first. So we've picked. Good. You're going to back Lost, Lost and Running. Run. What are you going to back? I'm going to back Mask Crusader if, if the track's good okay. enough. Mm. I can, you? you can't. I can't take Nature Strip. Too short. What are you, uh, Maestro? Uh, uh, Lost, and, Lost and Running. Lost and Running. Lost uh, and Maestro. Running. I'm. I'm going to be very boring. Nature Strip. Nature Strip. Can, gets can I give? I don't Can I give you a roughie in the Kosciuszko? Co- so, buddy. I got tipped yesterday. Yeah. I think I told you. Actually, yeah. Hugh tipped me the one before. Ramik. Should we be keeping this mail to ourselves? Quickly. Put your no, I'm, in I'm now here for the play. Oh, yeah, before my fifty dollars like really winds your market. <laughs> <laughs> Where is it? Where is it's bloody Herald form. You only gamble with hundreds. Where are uh, uh, talk amongst yourselves? Uh, Commando <laughs> Hunt. Command. Commando, Commando Hunt. Hunt. Oh, okay. Say that ten times. Do you remember when I said? Well, remember when I told it to you on the uh, drink yesterday? Yes. You said, "What did you just call me?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what's, what's that playing, Webby? Uh, Twenty-three dollars. Yeah. Mm. Should we open the, race? Open race. Given the amount we are talking about gambling, should I finish with gamble responsibly? <laughs> no, let's let's not worry about it. We'll take a break. Rev it up next. Yes, and it is time for rev it up, people. Yes, uh, test ride uh, Harley Davidson at Harley Heaven and Tempe. Make weekends epic at Harley Heaven. Blacktown and Tempe. Hello to the people out there at uh, Tempe. Went out there one day. Outstanding. Standing people. Outstanding showroom. Now, a little bit later, where we were going to talk about George Kambosos versus Devin Haney. This fight has really just crept up on us, hasn't it? It has. It's going to be interesting to see. Well, it's going to be a better. I think it'll be. A, I think it will be a better atmosphere at Rod Laver than Marvel, mm. because the ring was in yeah. the middle of the, the ground. Um, Sorry, where's he fighting in the tennis? Rod Laver yeah, Arena. Arena. Yeah. yeah, it'll be like a. Yeah. And he's fighting a guy Bullfight. called Devin. Yeah, Devin oh Haney. mate, you should see. Second time he, he can go. He, no, I saw. Yeah. I saw last time he didn't get a hand on him, George. Did no. he? No, George, by his own admission, fought two passes. Devin Devin Haney's quite a boring sort of guy. His uh, girlfriend's 
exciting. Yeah, she's India Love. Pretty wild. When I went India covered, Love. India Love. Is yeah. that? Is she's that a, like she's a... an influencer. Yeah. Oh. But when, when I covered the first one, everywhere she went, she'd be just in the background going, "Hey, time, hey, time." <laughs> she had that huge... It was really, really annoying. But what about her fingernails? Has those huge fingernails? She's going, how she wipe her ass? Anyway, who knows? We'll take. I was going to ask her. I forgot. <laughs> she's to got ask a bidet. Her. She's got to ask a tough question. She's got a bidet. Yeah, oh, they're yeah. wonderful. We'll take a break. <laughs> After the break, we're going to talk about the World Cup again. Yes, and a little later with uh, Jack Johns, we've got sound advice and uh, what a way to finish. ACDC's Highway to Hell album. Uh, but uh, before we get on to the World Cup, Joe, you said it before, but the flooding in Melbourne, incredible. Yeah, flood emergency down there. Some of the scenes. Wow. It's, uh, really is, it's un- unbelievable. Uh, now, guys, uh, World Cup, we said before, kicks off, Joey. Outstanding act. To launch the World Cup at St James's Park in Newcastle upon Tyne, the Kaiser Chiefs, good Yorkshire band. Wow! That, your what, sort man. Of, what sort of crowd is that at St James's Park? Are they expected about forty thousand. Wow! Mm. And that's England v Samoa. Yes. Yep. What a game! We, well, sorry, the, when's it? When's it on? Uh, early hours. I'm Sunday still morning. in Island time. Mm. You said it's three hours away. You shouldn't be too jet lagged. You'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, mate, um, Joey, your thoughts on that game? All of us believe that. In a tough game, Samoa will win. No, I think England will win. Do you? Yeah. I think they'll oh. be a little bit rusty, Samoa. That We all know their forward power. But the, the key for Samoa is who finishes off their sets. As the great Warren Ryan used to say to me, as a kicker, you can destroy a good set with a shit kick. Yeah. <laughs> but he said, on the other hand, you can rescue a, g- a bad set with a great kick. So they, they're rolling forward. It's what you're going to do with that go forward. Yeah. And what you're going to do with your kicks at the end? And the attacking, in the attacking twenty too. Mm. But Jerome, like you know, Jerome, I've seen him, you know, fill in at times with Nathan's out. You know, in playing six, but as a primary ball player, he does it pretty good. Well, Anthony Milford obviously was at the Knights last season, and you know his kicking game isn't probably up there with the best. When I'm probably comparing him to, to Nathan, yourself. which isn't fair. <laughs> But that's an area of their game. Who's going to do the kicking? That's the big area. I think I think England can get them. Uh, Joey, we said before we were having a yarn at the top of the show, you got the player of the tournament in 1995. It was interesting. It was a, would you agree it was a tournament that really launched your career, took mm. it to another level? Yeah, I feel like the confidence of the game from that tournament and obviously playing and training with the best players, you pick up the really good habits and some bad. But... Uh, all in all, it was just a great experience. What a, what a great, yeah, like Bob Fulton, as a as a coach for a touring team, did not get any better. He he just knew how to get, you know, the mix between fun and hard work. Mm. He knew how to treat elite players. Mm. He was a, he was a great coach on that tour. Well, he had that status where everyone was scared of him. <laughs> like even back in the day. Laurie Daly, all the superstars, they were all terrified of him, mm. intimidated by him. Remember Spud used to give it to Spud? <laughs> Spud would go, if Spud was training once, he goes, oh, no, like, oh, my eyes are burning. And Spud, he, go, he walks over and grabs him and goes, oh, how embarrassing. The gel, You've got gel in your hair and it's run into your eyes. <laughs> but <laughs> the, <laughs> the, that, is, that is something I can hear Bozo <laughs> say. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> but you look back <laughs> and the genius of Bob Fulton, he first came up. With the uh, with the model, where I would play hooker in defence and pack into scrums, mm. and Jeff Tuvey would defend as a halfback, and then once we yeah. get into attack, it would swap. swing. Let, let's talk about the events that led up to that, because mm. the first game that we played together was against South Africa, 
we won at eighty six six. You 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 broke the world record mm. in points in that game. And it, it told a funny story about Bozo. We go in at half time and Aaron Rape had just come on. And we're winning fifteen dollars at half time. We walk into the sheds and Aaron Raper sees Bozo walk in, so he goes, Oh, you know, I'll, try, I'll say the same thing. He goes, Right up, boys, it's nil all. Come on, let's keep the let's keep the foot on the throat. <laughs> no, and Bozo goes, his word was we need to muscle That's up. That's it. And he goes, It's nil all, we've got to muscle up. And he goes, Nil all, muscle up. How embarrassing, you're back on the bench. <laughs> But you broke the world record that night. (laughs) I can't really remember. All I remember is running out and seeing the South Africans and what big men they were. Big cavemen. They were massive. They were standing there and they were doing, I I don't know if Rainbow Nation was the, it might have been Dystem. I'm trying to think what it was, but these massive Afrikaans guys, and I'm standing there and they're crying during the anthem. And I thought, man, we're in for, for a tough night. And, for Joey and I, it was all right because they couldn't handle the smaller guys on the back foot. But, mate, they built it the cripe out when the chief big, and spud. When the big fellas were rolling forward, they were just teeing off on them. Wow. Yeah. Did, they, did, you, did Australia struggle at any stage during the that first tournament? game, we got beat. We got beat, oh, right. beat by England. The, they call it the Wembley Wobbles because right. you go in there, it's yeah. a bigger field. And, uh, yeah, we did. lost that first game. But, but that, Australia loses, generally loses the first game. Every, I think every trip I ever went to England, we right. lost the first game because of jet lag. Mm. The day of a game, you'd be there for like four or five days maybe preparing. The first game, everyone would be up at three in the morning. Mm. It's just it, – What about like the Wembley experience? Going to Wembley. And, and that was the old go, Wembley. Yeah. yeah, and the old Wembley. And you walked into the dressing rooms and there's a big hot tub there and you go, mate, George Best, Palais, all those guys have been in here. And they you, changed the water since? No, same, same water. Unbelievable. <laughs> same water. What, yeah. what was it like in terms of playing there, like in, in terms of the atmosphere? Oh, was they, reckon it, they reckon it just was Land of hope physical. and glory when you're running. When I remember coming out. up the tunnel. So you're coming up the tunnel, and the tunnel, you've got to walk up, which I think is rare mm. in any arena. So all you can see is the sky. Then as you get closer, you see the roof and then the crowd, and then it hits you. Yeah. And all the pommies are singing, Land of Hope and Glory. It was actually it was shaking. The ground, and they were they were seeing land of hope and glory. And you had, you're going, you had that sense of the old empire, and and so jo, we we go and as Joey said, um, Tuz gets injured. It was a training session. We're training in Leeds, and Tuz just hits the ground, can't move, and it's a neck problem. They said, well, his tour's over. End up going, he had a bulging disc in the neck, and they said, look, he can play on, but he absolutely cannot pack into a scrum. And he needs to do minimal defensive work. So that was the concept that Bob Fulton came out with. Joey would pack into the scrums and defend in the middle, but then they would swap and just work to treat. But, Joey, right, let's talk about the World Cup final right, mm. at Wembley Stadium. <clears throat> and Joey not only was given the job of running the side, but on top of that was the goal kicker. So in the warm-up. Mm. Now, the week before, we played the Kiwis in one oh. of the great semifinals. They should have beat us. We beat him an extra time, but I kicked about, I think I kicked two from seven or two from eight. So all week, Bozo, Bozo just into You me. idiot. And we got, uh, we got a, uh, we got a goal kick. I think it might've been Rob Andrew, the great rugby union guy came in and did a couple of sessions with him. So when we're warming up before warm up, Matthew goes, come on, let's go out and have a couple of kicks. So we go out in front of 80, 90,000 and all the pommies. So I'm lining up these kicks, <laughs> spraying them, it's cheering. Oh, mate, they should, they're giving it to him. That's spraying good for, oh, it. come on, lad, come on. And when Couldn't he, as kick he, one. Like, as he could not kick. That's good for confidence. All the crowd's <laughs> cheering. And then. And so then the last kick, he just goes, go to the sideline, go to the T-bone. T 
on the core, 20 metre line from the sideline. And as I'm lining up the kick, that Stuck in the Middle song comes on by Steelers Wheel. It's Steelers Wheel. So we're yes. looking at each other, sort of bopping around, dancing. And then when you kick, so you kick from the sideline, you take three steps backwards, and then it drops about half a foot because yeah. the dog track's yeah, the there. Yeah, dog track. At so you go oh, on the dog, right, the dog so track. So I'm looking, I'm going, okay, I do my run-up, five back, two and a half across. But then when I'm running in, I've got to take two steps, then go up and kick it. So the song's still playing, so we dance. I went, boom, nailed it. And he goes, kick another one. I went, boom, nailed it. He said, that's it. First five minutes, we score in the exact spot. I do a grubber kick for Rod Wishart, and he scores right in the spot. And I remember lining up the kick, and the song's in the head, and just went, nailed it. And I can remember running back and looking at the bench, and big brothers up there. <laughs> and we're, da- we're dancing to each other. Yeah. I remember right. I was dancing, and Carl had, because the bench, the English bench was right next to us, and there's a big gruff front row from Halifax called Carl Harrison, and I'm dancing, and he goes, why don't you oof and sit down, you idiot? I said, okay, Carl, no problem. But that was a uh, – Oh, good story. It, it, was a, it, was a, it was a great tour. That Kiwi game, we played them in the semifinal. That was, as Joey said, epic. They scored on the bell. I think it was – the scores were 26 or 28 all – and Matthew Ridge has got a kick from the sideline after full time. If he kicks it, we're out of the tournament. He misses it by 20 metres. Matthew Ridge. Matthew, Matthew Ridge. Wow. Absolutely. And then in the extra time, Freddie actually lights up. I think Freddie scores three tries. Oh, no, he oh, scored, scored two. two. We two scored two, three. yeah. But Freddie just went, give me the ball. Yeah. What a game. That Great place to play footy. It is such a good spot. Oh, mate. The, the, the north English of crowd, they love it. Yeah. The, the north of England, England really is two countries. You've got, you got the south, and they are so different. And then you've got the north, and most of the people are north of Irish heritage. And they're just and they're, they're sensational. And they're so loud. I've, oh. I've, co- I've been covered games at Ellen Road in Leeds. Oh, yeah. And I remember, I remember they, had, they didn't even have the top tier taken out. And, you, and I thought the roof was going to come off the joint. They were, that, they were that loud. Well, getting back to Samoa, the kicking game, the in-goals, because a lot of them are soccer grounds, yeah, the in-goals right. are three yeah. metres. Yeah, narrow. And yeah. they're hard surfaces, so it puts even more pressure on the kickers. Remember uh, the great David Gillespie was saying between Ellen Road, we went to watch uh, Leeds versus Sheffield Wednesday, which is a huge Yorkshire derby there. Yaboa scored two amazing goals. But anyway, we're sitting there and I said, mate, what about, Samantha, what about this? It's amazing. And uh, there's like 40,000 there at Ellen Road. Anyway, he goes, mate, this is, he said, when I played for the Hunslet Hawks, he said, this was our home ground. I went, really? He goes, mate, there'd be like 10 people in the crowd. He said, remember if someone dropped a beer can? He said, you heard it all around the stadium. <laughs> Ah, oh, shout out. Uh, we'll take a break after the great movie of the week. Yeah, in about 40 minutes, we're going to have a discussion about uh, the Australian-Fiji uh, game in the uh, the first week of the uh, World Cup, as well as New Zealand versus Lebanon. Of course, Michael Checker coaching the Lebanese side, and uh, which is a good get. It's a really good get. Good to see Czech doing that. But, uh, people, it's time for the People segment, Movie of the Week. <laughs> Well, Liam Alexander's covered off some classic bangers this year, but today he finishes with another iconic Stanley Kubrick film and Jack Nicholson classic, the 1980 horror classic, The Shining. Little pigs, little pigs, let me come in. Not by the hair on your chinny chin chin. Then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. Ah! 
Here's Johnny. <laughs> oh, bloody hell, eh? What about that? Go on, lad. Um, now, before you introduce Liam, um, Maestro, we were just talking before. I woke up at 2 o'clock this yes. morning. And as did you, mm. by the way, in separate houses. Oh. <laughs> and, and the shining was on. Switched on Foxtel, and there it was. Mm. And I didn't even know we were doing it today. And, yes. and it just, yeah, amazing coincidence. Perfect to a Funny how fair. life happens. Synchronicity. There you go. Liam Alexander, welcome. Morning, guys. Good movie for the, the last hurrah. It's fantastic, mate. Really good, Liam. And uh, by the way, I'll say this straight off the top. You have been, once again, outstanding. One of the highlights of Morning Glory. We appreciate <laughs> you this year, mate. Uh, thanks, guys. Liam, incredibly, at the time, the critics, the reviews of this film were mixed. Uh, many critics quite unkind. Oh, yeah. When it came out, it was actually, like, it was reviewed, the, the bombed um, critically, Um Shelley Duvall and Stanley Kubrick were actually nominated for Razzies that year, which are the opposite of the Academy Awards. They're the worst movies. So Kubrick was nominated for Worst Director and she was nominated for Worst Actress. But over time, I think a lot of critics took back their initial reviews because I think it's one of the great horror films ever made. I think it might not be the scariest movie ever made. And I think people go in with expecting that, but... I think it's one of the finest uh, that the genre has produced, for sure. Uh, Liam, you said before about Shelley Duvall. She she was uh, given a Razzie, but they rescinded it later on when stories emerged about Kubrick's treatment of her. Uh, what? Yeah. What took What took place on the set? Well, she was like she was literally suffering to the point of like nervous exhaustion. She was losing clumps of hair, and Kubrick was like a really hard taskmaster. And Nicholson, he said that. He's never seen an actress go through such a hard um, time on set. He was, he would kind of um, publicly call her out to try. I, in hindsight, it was to try get her performance to be more, I guess, accurate to being stressed. But I don't think that's probably the way to go. But yeah, he was, he was pretty harsh with her. He would, he would tell her that she's wasting everyone's time on set and literally force her to do take after take until he was, he was happy with it. So. She didn't have a great experience making this movie. Do you think this movie would be made today? Ooh, I don't think the behind the scenes can... Like, Kubrick took, like, nearly a year to make it, Joey. So, like, he would, he would keep rolling until... Like, there were some scenes where they would get up to 127 takes where he'd just keep wow. going and going and going. Yeah, so... Futuresque. So I don't, yeah, I don't think... Um, I don't think they'd allow that to happen today, yeah. but... Yeah, I'm not sure. Isn't, isn't it funny, Liam? We had this discussion before how a great, a truly great director will have the patience to do that, to do that, knowing that it's going to take that many takes and that much time to get what they want, to do that enough yeah. to the character or the person mm. to the actor that it produces what they're after. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think a lot of people uh, don't um, – go as hard on Kubrick for how he treated um, Duvall on the movie because it did get her to give, a, uh, like, in my opinion, it's a really good performance. But, um, yeah, I think that that scene in particular, the 127 takes, it's the scene where um, they realise that he's he's been writing um, all work, no play makes Jack a dull boy, and then they have to walk up the stairs swinging the bat. So Nichols, she was walking up the stairs, I think. They did it literally 127 times. It's the Guinness Book of World Records for most takes with a scene with dialogue in it. So I think it gets them into the 
like mindset because that scene like Nicholson looks like he's literally losing his mind and she is like beside herself so it definitely translates in the end I think and that and in that scene as well when she's going through the pages all work no play make Jack a dull boy they're different lines and Kubrick's PA had to type all those out all those different pages apparently she typed out thousands of pages for the for the prop Oh. And they're all and they're all different, all different lines. Leo, where, where does Kubrick sit in terms of the greatest directors of all time? I think he's definitely up there for sure, and I think it only like his legacy only sort of enhances as years go by because his films are such mystery boxes. You can go back and watch them, especially The Shining. I think The Shining gets better on repeat viewings, but like in two thousand one, A Space Odyssey as well. Like he he made all these hallmarks of different genres. Like two thousand one is the quintessential sci-fi movie. The Shining's one of the great horror movies. Paths of Glory with Kirk Douglas, I think is one of the great war films. So mm. he's made films in all these different genres. And I think, I think directors especially really love him because he, he just is a perfectionist, but he gets his vision on screen every time. And this is obviously, The Shining is based on the Stephen King book, mm. the famous Stephen King book, very personal story for him. And he absolutely hated the film. And he's quite he's quite vocal about that. And he um, apparently, when Stanley Kubrick got the screenplay that Stephen King wrote, he didn't read it. He just threw it in the bin and goes, "I'll be making my own movie." Wow! So yeah, yeah there's Stephen King. Even today, uh, does it when he does interviews, he talks about how much he hates the film. Um, Jack yeah. Torrance, the character, could have mm. anyone else played that, but Jack Nicholson? Well, they've tried. Uh, they've tried in the like. There's right. there's been that terrible that's telly movie, right. and it was a stinker. <laughs> Yeah, who, was played, who, who was that? Who was that? I don't know who the guy was. Yeah, I'm not sure. Do you know, they actually tried, I think Robert De Niro was initially thrown up wow. to play Jack Torrance, but um, Stanley Kubrick watched Taxi Driver and didn't think he was insane enough for to play the role, <laughs> which, is, which is crazy that um, Nicholson was the guy I thought of. Have you got... Uh, yeah, I don't think... Yeah. Have you ever watched the documentary on the making of this film? No, I haven't. No, not. I didn't know there was where. There's a what's what's it called? Is it the room? What's it? Um, uh, yeah, I think it's room two three seven. Two three seven. Call it. Um, you can yeah. you get around and to watch Jack Nicholson get into the state of Jack Torrens to play to get up for those big moments, and he's sort of walking around like like fever, like he is going, screaming at Stanley Kubrick, screaming at Shelley Duvall, screaming at makeup yeah. people to try and get in the headspace. It is, it's quite the same. Wow. This is one of my favourite movies. I relate yeah. to it. What's that documentary yeah. called? Room <laughs> 237. I relate to it. Yeah. Or Author writing a book, struggling oh, yeah. with deadline, descends yeah. into madness, puts an axe through a door. <laughs> Yeah, right. It's basically, it's basically like the like a biographical pick of my Do you own an axe? <laughs> There's one in my head. <laughs> I feel like I've been hit by one today. Uh, but, it, but it's it's so smart. It's, I reckon it's Nicholson's best movie by by some stretch, to be honest, because he's just so yep. insane. Yeah. It's and it's pure horror. Like yeah, it, it, I do. I I disagree. I think it's scary as yeah. The the bar, the bathroom scene. Oh mate, with the. When did this movie come face? out in terms of the other scary one, The, ex, the Exorcist? Exorcist? Exorcist was 74 mm. and this yeah. was 80. Oh, okay. Hey, um, Liam, a question on that. Like we said, this is, re- this is really scary. There is nothing funny about this movie. When did, 
When did horror decide to take that 20-year hiatus into dark comedy? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it started in the 90s. I think think when Scream came out and some of those sort of movies, I think it started to get a bit... um, a bit quirky, and yeah. they have like one light. Yeah, I tell you one, Liam. Yeah, I thought I, the first ever Nightmare on Elm Street, one and two were chilling, were they terrifying. Were, they were yeah. chilling. Three took on a dark comedy. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just, I, it was I, I actually saw a great quote this week: "Never stop driven." Freddy Krueger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because in that yeah, we, were talk, we were talking about this, many in that film when Dream Warriors came out, Freddy got a humour. And he started going, hey, I'm going to kill these kids. And he kind of went, yeah, yeah. Well, I like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and it got into that sort of realm. And like Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2 is a comedy. Yeah, yeah. You know, the first one was terrifying like, and, and terrifying. And the same like uh, what else, um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah, 2 was a comedy. There's, so, a, there's a scene in night, one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets where he goes after like a smack addict and all the, all the yeah, like yeah, needle yeah. marks in the girl's <laughs> arms starts like – Grows faces and I'm, starts screaming at me. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's number three. Yeah. It's three, right? Yeah. I interviewed him on Triple M. He came in. The guy who played Freddy Krueger. Oh, Robert England. Yeah, yeah, he came in, and we're having a chat about does he the look role. Like Freddy Krueger. Yeah, he, he does. Yeah. By you know, by the um, like the fingers. He's got a good. Um, he's got a good skincare regime. <laughs> he certainly has. Anyway, I said to him, I said, Robert, do you sort of ever fear through the Nightmare on Elm Street that you would be start to become typecast? And he goes, what do you mean by that? I've been in lots of good films. But so much so that he, he does parodies of himself as Freddy Krueger <laughs> and Robert England in movies. It's, it's <laughs> like where you basically go, you know what, I'll just give up. Right? Yeah. It's like when uh, Shooter McGavin, he didn't want yeah, to do it originally. He knows now it. He, he rides it all the way home. Now, Liam, what we're going to do after the break, we're going to do our five-to-one greatest Jack Nicholson Films, but uh, out of a hundred, what do you give The Shining? Oh, I think it's one of the greatest horror movies. I'm going to give it a 99. Hundred, sure. yeah, ninety, mm. yeah, hundred, eighty-five. Guys, I'm going to take you know, give me the children of the corn any day. Liam, we'll take a quick break and come back with a five to one. Yes, yeah, coming off movie of the week, we did The Shining. And uh, Maestro and I, we woke up at 2 o'clock again, separate houses, and it was on last night. A bit of synchronicity there. I tell you, it was on straight after it. Edward Scissorhands. What a great documentary. A I recommend it. Hey? True story? Yeah, yeah, totally true. Johnny Depp, mate, uh, so emotional. Before Pistol and Boo and Amber Heard. I see she's um, appealing. Oh, right. Yeah, she can't Good. get through all that again. I hope so. Yeah. so much fun the first time. Yeah, it was. Uh, okay, boys, five to one greatest Jack Nicholson films. I tell you what, this was hard to wade through all of this. Liam, who's your number five? Uh, for me, he, in The Departed, he plays Frank Costello, the head of the Irish mob in Boston, and in a cast full of like superstars, DiCaprio, Damon, I think he, he steals the movie. Yeah. So are they filmed or performances? You can either I'm going to go performances because I, I thought as good as it gets, Helen Hunt oh, was so annoying. Yeah. Like she almost killed it for me, but he was he was bringing it. He shows a compassionate side in that towards yeah. the end, doesn't he? Yeah, I love Greg Kinnear in that. I, I love Greg Kinnear as an actor. That, that, their yeah. relationship was great. Yeah, but she was. Uh, now I'm the same. Know. Number five is mine. As good as it gets. Yeah, I'm gonna say. Ooh. I'm gonna say a few good men. Yeah, mm. I've done the same. Just because a it's few, like yeah. it's so iconic that uh, that scene. A few good men. That scene. As well, is that like, one thing about Jack Nicholson, some of the greatest movie lines of all time. I like, hear is Johnny, but also, you know, you can't handle the truth. Mm. Yes. Uh, mm. 
There you go. I can't. Yeah, I can't. No, I absolutely can't. You can't handle the truth, Scott Penn. No, I can't. Yeah. Poison pen. Still on Scott Penn. <laughs> Sorry. Jeez, Webby. Number uh, four, Liam. Yeah, I, I was the same. A few good men. I think it's one of the best written and um, best performed scenes in the history of film, that, that final one. Chinatown is my favorite. Oh, yeah. Roman Polanski at his best. Yeah, it's one of those films like uh, I in Rewatchables, but also mm. Alec Baldwin. His podcast always refers to Chinatown. 90 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they know. Certainly do. tomato people. Yep. i got the, uh, the Departed. I love this show. Mm. Great cast. Wahlberg, Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Martin yeah. Sheen. Yeah. Uh, my number four is Easy Rider. It's oh, just a bit Peter Fonda, <laughs> Dennis Hopper. Fonda. And, you know, Jack Nicholson's obviously a, a supporting actor in that. Yeah. And a very, very young actor in it. But Peter Fonda. They, as opposed to La Fonda. Say, what, what's they, really, what's, what's, what's the they, song? Is it Born to be Wild when they kick over at the start? Steppenwolf. Were they, on, were wow. they on it during acid. the film? Oh, they were on Acid, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Joey, I've seen a doco on it. And they were saying Dennis Hopper, <laughs> when he, like, he was just basically writing the script as they went along on this ride. <laughs> And that, mate, like he and Peter Fonda, as opposed to La Fonda on Napoleon Dynamite, he uh, they, he just right. They were going. We don't know where this is going. Uh, we don't know how this movie's going to end. But it ended it's, up just being. It's, it's a masterpiece because it's just madness. And saved Hollywood. There was yeah. that. There's that great documentary, um, Raging Bulls and Easy Riders, oh. and they talk yeah. about how Easy Rider brought Hollywood back from the brink of the studios controlling everything to these young filmmakers, I Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper. I love Dennis Hopper. Some of his, some of his films, um, just trying to think of Hoosiers, how he plays like the, the, the drunk of the star player. The drunks, uh, he's the drunk of the star player. Yeah. Father. I've just muzzled up there. But anyway, he's good. Uh, I've, gone, uh, I've, gone, I've, gone, I've gone The Departed. Yeah. Number three, Liam. Um, I was going to go Chinatown, but I'll go about Schmidt. I don't know if you guys have seen that one. Yes. Yeah. He plays a retired. Yeah, I think that's one of his most like heartbreaking performances. He's hilarious in it, but he's, he's, he's a bit older and he's, he pulls on the heartstrings in that one. I think it's a really good performance. Yeah. Um, just for the point of difference, I'm going to say Terms of Endearment. Oh, Ooh. you old romantic. Don't watch that when you're... After a big night. Yeah, really. It's very emotional. <laughs> but he, his performance, he is, he is... That is peak... Nicholson Cool, I reckon, mm. in that. Um, mm. and, and Shirley MacLaine does a speech when she won the Academy Award saying how uh, Jack Nicholson was the wet dream of every middle-aged woman. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Her, <laughs> you watch, YouTube that speech. She just basically gives it to everybody. Yeah. Right over there. Could, I don't know if you can say that. I've been either. away for 10 days. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry to trigger you. But anyway. He, <laughs> but, uh, What's the expression? The little dog's got to eat. Oh, yeah. The little usually, dog. It's usually the big dog, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, my number three was A Few Good Men. Yeah. Uh, my number three is Batman. Uh, Jack Nicholson owns that film. Yeah. That's, the first, that's the first film that I saw Jack Nicholson. As the Joker. He, as the Joker. And it, he just... He, he warned. Just, uh, he chews he choose the scenery. Yeah. Do you know he warned Heath Ledger, they say, that he warned and said... Be careful of this character; it gets under your skin. Right, yeah. you become it. Mm. It's it's, ama- it's amazing that the people that have played the Joker, like, have it's had so much success in you know careers like Jack Nicholson, mm. yeah. Heath Ledger, and of course Joaquin. Mm. How good is that? Like those three. That's yeah. disturbing. All the, it's wow. all the same characters. We yeah. know the Joker, but Jesus Christ, people yep. put in a good performance. I've got an easy ride at number three. 
Hey, Dennis Hopper, like, you, you ever seen Mad Dog Morgan? Uh, no, oh. no, I haven't seen it at all. The whole film, he's absolutely <laughs> off his nut and blind drunk. And like Mad Dog Morgan. Yeah, yes, like Mad Dog. And there's a scene where he hops on the horse back to front. That's not in the script. He, he actually legitimately does it. And at the end of the shoot, hopped in a car and drove, crashed the car, and when they took his blood alcohol, they said, mate, technically, normally a person would be dead and got barred for, from coming to Australia so for this, five years. This, this always fascinates me. How many method actors have been off their face on drugs when they've been method acting mm. and they filmed it? Mm. Well, they call it and we've got one on the line. <laughs> <laughs> don't, you, don't you reckon? <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, I, like, it's so believable. It's like you are actually off your tits. Imagine, yes. imagine being in the room with Dennis Hopper and Jack Nicholson. Oh off God. their heads. Because oh, Jack Nicholson, he, he, back in the day, imagine, was a man who enjoyed the, uh, you know, the, imagine the, being the, the high life. Imagine so being full of it there and you, and you say one line and it becomes that sort of Forever. line when people are bent. It's like that expression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. that expression, it's better than Lego. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. I, I know someone who's partied with Jack Nicholson in New York, a journo. Really? And they oh, said... Us? <laughs> oh mate, I loved your terms of endearment. We're having a great show. Do you think he could play Wayne Bennett? <laughs> oh mate! I, and they said he was sensational. Awesome. They said he was the best guy, and and went hard. <laughs> Number two, Liam. Uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Awesome. R.P. McMurphy. I think it's yeah one of the greatest movies and of such a good performance. Mm. Uh, I've got The Departed. Mm. Was that the only time he's worked with Scorsese? Yes. Mm. Yes. Because well, there, there, there was a lot of a lot of media about that. That was, you know, these two iconic giants coming together. Yeah, and didn't giants. disappoint. Joey? Uh, my number two is Easy Rider. Mm. Remember the first time I watched this? It was on a boat in Indonesia. Mm. Oh, Sleazy Rider. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, mine, I'm with Webby, The Departed. <laughs> I've gone as good as it gets. Fantastic film. Wow. Love it. Number one, Liam? Uh, for me, it's a bit of a, like an obscure choice, but The Last Detail, where he plays a sailor, it's an early 70s movie. I think it's... I only saw it about a year ago, and I think it's it's one of his best performances. He carries the movie. He's hilarious in it. But towards the end, like a lot of his great performances, he's, he's heartbreaking as well. So I think if, if anyone hasn't seen it, I would highly recommend watching that, The Last Detail. That, There's that a true film critics. Mm. Yes. Response. Yes, uh, yes. I've got uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest because I read the book first mm. and I loved it. Ken Kesey. Now he partied too, um, but the, it's one of those rare times when the movie's as good as the book. Joey? I got The Shining number one. Mm. Uh, my number one is yeah. Chinatown. Yeah, right. I love that movie. I've gone one flew over the cuck cuckoo's nest. I'm with Webby. It's my number one. By the way, you're talking about uh, Hollywood icons who get on it. I'm going to a fancy dress party tonight as Hunter S. Thompson. Oh. Oh. With the quaalude? So, yeah. Just pray for me. What is a quaalude? You... Oh. Is that like a vowel or something? I think a heavy vowel. A very heavy vowel. Yeah. Are you being shot know. out of a cannon on your entry? Yes, I am. Trisha's going as Johnny Depp. Johnny, Johnny Depp. Do you? <laughs> Are you going to take a gun and shoot a typewriter on the front front yard like Hunter S. Thompson used I don't to know. do? I'll, I'll yeah, borrow it off uh, Gibbsy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. Now, Liam, Liam, before we let you go, you and Ben Hogarth have got a recommendation for people out there, an Australian film that's out at the moment. 
Oh, yes. It's called The Stranger. It's got Joel Edgerton in it and um, Sean Harris. It's unbelievable. It's one of the best Aussie movies, I reckon. I think Ben and Gray I've seen in, in ages. It's it's disturbing, but that's so well made. Yeah, it's obviously it's obviously loose. Well, it's obviously based upon um, the police operation that got Daniel Morecambe's yeah. killer. Um, it's got a bit of controversy because the Morecambe family have come out yeah, against it. Yeah. But it is an exceptional film. Joel Edgerton, I think it's his best performance. Yeah, great. I love Joel it's, Edgerton. It's, it, you know, it's a, it's a harrowing watch, but yeah. it is fantastic. And it's dropping on Netflix in like Netflix this week. Yeah. Right. Talk about so, scary. Yeah. While I was away in Vanuatu, watched the Jeffrey Dahmer series. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, we oh, talked about, about that last oh, week. Hilarious. Gosh. Yeah. What a great comedy. Liam, <gasps> once again, mate, thank you for your uh, uh, help this year. Uh, your input's been outstanding. No, nah, thanks for having me again, guys. I've, I've loved it. Good on you. There he goes. Well Into done, the distance. Liam. No one knows where he comes from, and no one knows exactly where he goes. Man of mystery, Liam Alexander. We'll take a break. After the break, we'll talk Combosis versus Haney. Now, a big fight that's uh, crept up on us on Sunday, George Combosis, uh, the rematch with Devin Haney. Uh, Haney, one of the very few undisputed champions, first lightweight undisputed champion in 30 years, mm. can certainly fight. I mean, at the moment, in the argument, pound for pound, uh, as far as the best fighter in the world, they say he will develop into a Mayweather-type fighter. Well, he's got the Mayweather style now, but you know, people start <laughs> to move that he could have his sort of standing. Uh, George, saw George at the – Fletch and I saw George at the opening of Allianz that night, Roosters versus South. And he pre-said, mate, it's going to be a far more low-key build-up, and he certainly delivered on that. Yeah, and he's brushed basically all media. He's done very, very little. I think he's just done the bare minimum, um, which is ironic because he, for years, couldn't get any uh, coverage whatsoever. So, And I understand why he's done it, because he did take on the role, and he said it this week, the role of the world champions to promote the fight, and it's in his backyard. So, you know, he, he didn't knock back a single request. But I covered that fight um, sitting next to Buzz. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was oh, good. God, I tell you what, he hit him pretty hard. He hit him in the head a lot, didn't he? Um, uh, and and Buzz and I had great access. Like, we were in the rooms, like, um, just half an hour before the fight. So it was, like, incredible access. And just to see how he prepares. And and um, I, I reckon the problem was George is, like, an emotional fighter, and he showed that against Lopez. And I reckon the fact – and there was, like, a huge Greek contingent, and that was going to be, like, his – his secret weapon, but they were away from the ring. Yeah, gotcha. They were all the way up in the stands, and the, the ring was in the middle, so he didn't. It just it lacked I, it lacked atmosphere. That's and for what, Haney, yeah. and Haney just sat there with his his, his jab was like a slingshot, and just oh, kept him away. He's like a he he's an in, incredible hot fighter, Haney, and the market showed that um, in the, for that fight and this one. So George is going to have to do something different to to get inside him, but he's changed his trainer. Um, he's uh, his father and manager Jim Cambosis has done well to make sure there's a change of referee to the first fight. So mm-hmm. they seem to believe that, that uh, Haney held him too much uh, in, in the first one. Uh, and he's, he, he's got a new old trainer in Chris Backus. Now, who was, it was pretty much his, his trainer all the way through his, the first 14 fights of his pro career. And he was, but he was actually, I, I actually stood next to Chris at a few sparring sessions because I did a big piece on George for a good weekend. Um, but he, and he was there giving him some advice uh, in the lead up to the first one, but he's he's more hands on this time around, so he's changed things up. So expect something different. Something special, like Haney was said before, like when he walked to the ring 
And it was interesting you said that because everyone was saying, you know, it's down there at Marvel Stadium, oh, the atmosphere. But from people who were there, they said it was a dud atmosphere. <clears throat> you know, the, the it w- yeah, really it fights in Melbourne. Sorry? How can be fights in Melbourne? It's I think a big the part, money. Yeah, the money. The yeah. money. Events, uh, Victoria or whatever it's called. Mm. They, so they, you, threw, right. they threw huge money. So when you say he's going to do something different, what is he going to what, well, I mean, what did he fight active. like but I mean, he's, he's, he's like, I mean, it'll be different in the sense yeah. he's got a new trainer. He's got. But a, did he try to box him last time? Yeah, he did. He, he did. He, he, just couldn't get in, he just couldn't get inside him at all. Yeah. And George, and George is a, a scrapper. You, you know? can see Haney where he's like Mayweather. When you watch a Mayweather fight, you can see he, he comes up against big punches like Pacquiao and he come up against uh, uh, the Englishman Ricky Hatton. They're trying to hit him. It's like, it's like watching someone hit water. You know what I mean? They yeah. just, you know, yeah. everything that George did, and George, you know, he, by his own admission, fought too passive. So he's just going to have to get out there and take a chance. Uh, Haney, though, like, when he walked to the room, there was not an ounce of intimidation. He fought right at home, and then you find out later on that his dad took him down. He was fighting in Mexico at 15 mm. or 16. Yeah. So did Docs know about that? Hey? Did Docs yeah, know about I, that? Well, like, they, they don't give you a license in the U.S., I think, until you're 18. So he had to, he was forced to go down and fight in Mexico. So it shows you that the quality of the fighter, and I, even though he's a pretty young guy now, the experience. I I, I talked to Haney. I interviewed him for about ten minutes. Did you um, like him? Oh, he was very. Um, yeah, I did actually. He was really. He was absolutely a lovely guy. Mm. Um, but they were having this big war of words, I and mean, he wasn't engaging in it. And I was going, mate. He's saying some pretty uh, pretty heavy stuff. Here. He goes, this is that's boxing. He was just. He was all. Yeah. He was all. He was so professional. Mm. He was there for, for what, business. And, what was his and old man like? Uh, Devin Haney's old man. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, well, he didn't arrive, remember, until the day of the fight mm. or the night before the fight because um, because he had uh, convictions. Yeah, gotcha. He had drug convictions that mm. prevented him from coming into the into the country, but it got overturned and on appeal, and he got in just the night before. Was and vaxed? it was really important. Was he vaxxed? I think so. Okay. Because yeah. um, our man Djokovic. Yeah. He's trying on, to get back, in back on again. Hey, Webby, do you give, I mean, every, well, they say punch is chance, but how big a chance do you I give? think it'll be closer. I think he'll be brave as always. Yep. But I don't want, I, I, I'd love to see him win, you know. Yeah, I would. It'd be, it'd be great because he puts so much into it. Right. Uh, we'll take a break. Uh, coming up a little bit later, sound advice, highway to hell. And the NFL, it just grows bigger and bigger every year, not only in America, but here in Australia, the interest. And this week, Two of the best sides uh, come up against the Buffalo Bills, uh, the quarterback Josh Allen, who's just a phenomenon, up against Kansas City Chiefs, quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Going to be some sort of game, Webby. What about uh, Allen's uh, second play oh, at last last start? Mate. Was it a 98-yard uh, touchdown? Touchdown. We were talking before in the break about Jesse Southall and we're saying about when, you know, I spoke about this yesterday too, when players – it just got something special as playmakers. When they throw a ball, the ball just pings out of the hands. Mm. Americans call it rotation. Uh, Jesse Southwell, the young halfback of the Knights, you watch her when the ball comes out of her hand. It just go, it just shoots like an arrow. Mate, that Josh Allen, it's phenomenal. She's an incredible I said, I spoke to Warney about yeah. something. He said he went to the cricket academy or something. They got him in, and they had all this technical stuff with the leg spinners. He went to him and said, see how many fast rotations you get on the ball. Just whip it as hard as you can. Yeah. That's Griffin, his only that's advice. Grip it and rip it. Alan Border said that he said when Warney first hit, he said you could hear the whir of the rotation. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Mahomes man. Oh, he's a good player. Huh? We'll take a break. Australia versus Fiji. New Zealand, Lebanon next. In about 20 minutes, we've got uh, Search and Enjoy. Actually, about 30 minutes time. Search and Enjoy. Ben takes us to weird and wonderful places around the world. This week, Benny, where are you taking us? We're doing a road trip through the southern states of America.
Oh, oh yeah. Ooh, it's a wedding night. Have you done that? No, I've always wanted to, though. Oh, man. What a great good fun! It is, mate. It is. If you like to party, yeah, I and like, you like you like a yeah a different cuisine, it yeah. is a very good place to go. Creole, Creole, Creole oh. cooking, man. And is, man, is Bourbon Street getting a, a run? Ah, uh, Bourbon Street will get a run, but even better, Frenchman's. But stay tuned. Oh, Ooh. oh, but I tell you what, you've whet my appetite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Australia versus Fiji takes place. Firstly, Joey, look, I don't like to be negative, but let me just have a go for a second. This number system is a complete and utter bludger. Can you take me through this? Okay, so... <sighs> so apologies, I've been away. Okay, what they've decided to do is squad numbers. Okay. What, anyway, so what, it, what they've done, Joey, is they've gone right out. Number one's Tedesco. He's the captain, so yeah. he's one. But after that... What, alphabetical the, order? No, no, they've gone... Daly Cherry Evans, after that, is the, he is the most experienced player, so he's number two. Then the second most yeah. experienced player goes number three. So he plays in number two. Mm. Yep. He yeah, plays but as, in... a, as a halfback, you aspire to play in the jersey. Seven. This is Alan Langer, this is, this is the argument. That's you, right. You want to wear their jerseys. Well, I said before, like last week, Joey, is that I've got a bit, quite a few 14s and 16s and 17s, but your two number six jerseys are the ones. They're the special ones. But, as but, a kid, you watch that jersey and right. you aspire to play in that jersey. And you're the gatekeeper of that jersey. Isaiah, 24. No. Mm. No. Yep. yep. Uh, Nathan, where is he? Is Nathan's he tw- 15, I think. Yeah, 15. Um, I don't reckon Nathan, who's a student of the game, would have oh, yeah. absolutely mm. cherished and just dreamed about playing that number seven. Surely they're going to overturn Every- that. But but this is the thing. On their own web, the World Cup website, they've got to be in normal position. It's just, but you, but you know the reasoning for it. They reckon was a, like, Troy Grant, the the chairman of the International Federation, said it was a broadcasting thing to make it easier for broadcasters. It would be a nightmare for commentators. Completely oh. the opposite. Completely the opposite. People, Latrell Mitchell wearing number eight. But what about when you're doing the Minnow Nations and going? Well, oh. I don't know. Uh, so oh, everyone's doing it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a tournament thing. Oh, but ridiculous. Australia have just made it even worse by like doing it in terms of. Uh, test play. Once again, someone with too much time on their hands it's just trying to justify their job. And, you know, I hear people like, you know, I've heard people say the most ridiculous thing. Oh, yeah, it's good because, you know, it's the way the game's going. I mean, look at America. Who cares? It's not well, going. I love American the game's sport. Not going that but way. Who cares what they do? But uh, can you tell me that it's ever been slated for the NRL? Never. No. I've Super, never heard anyone Super talk about it. Super League had a look at it, right. given squad numbers. Because the thing about it always has been like, I, the other day, like, God bless Jimmy Smith, right? And, and Jim, Jimmy goes good. Really good. But Jimmy said the other day, like, I think it was Jimmy who said it. Jeez, I hope it is Jimmy now said that. It would have been. But, yeah, it was Jimmy said, you know, I like it because as far as club land is concerned, he said because, you know, James Tedesco retires as the greatest ever rooster. Number one, you can retire the number one jersey. But you go, you can't retire a number one jersey. Like, for instance, it's like saying, like, Andrew Johns, number seven for Newcastle. Do you know what? Let's just retire that jersey. Mm. So you're telling me everything. No one can ever wear that seven jersey again. Oh, it's it's just You can't. And I, as I said before, Webby, I know it's upon us. It's about to start. You would just love for someone to come out with some common sense and say, hey, listen, this what, is not going to work. What have the players said? No, the players have been pretty tight-lipped. They hadn't said a lot about so, it. So the company line a bit, yeah. 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 Mm. Uh, Look, uh, apart from that, uh, good side name, great team. Love the youth in the team. Tino, Jeremiah Nanai, Murray Tulangi, Harry Grant, Cotter, Carrigan. It's a really, it's a well-balanced, good, it's a good-looking side.
100%. I see the start is about 39 and a half points. <laughs> now, if you break it down in a half of footy, mm. you generally have 20, maybe 24 sets. So if you're looking at that, would you back Australia to score three or four tries a half? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So they'll would. cover that. Mm. Easy. He'd think so. Um, age-old problem, which is the Australian side. Bob um, Fulton had to go through. Who's playing halfback? Okay. Daly Cherry Evans, right up. Okay. But he, here's the th- right up. Here's the here's the pro- here's the problem that happened again, which has been re- reborn again. Bob Fulton in 1990 and 94 had this problem where he had to work out who was going to play seven. Now Alf Woodich in 90 and 94 went away as the incumbent, but both times Ricky was coming off a competition win and was the player in form. Mm. At one stage, Bozo actually played them both together. It didn't work. Daly, uh, Nathan's carrying a bit of an injury, so Daly gets the first grab at the jersey. Boys, I'll ask you, if Australia make the World Cup final, who'll be the seven? I think Daly needs, deserves it. Now, before Origin, I was quite vocal. I think Nathan deserved the jersey. Oh, this hurts to say. But after Origin 3, I thought the performance of Daly Cherry Evans, the way he kicked mm. Queensland to victory, and being the incumbent last time, he played. Mm. I think he played hard. 19, yes. but I think he deserves to get first crack. Okay, but what about the way he finished the season compared to the way Nathan finished the season? Yeah, well, See, that's, Mal, that's a, well, that's a byproduct of him playing at Manly, who was struggling without Turbo yeah, and went through that, all that drama. I, I get that. But I get that. For but me, if you're the seven, you run the team. But for me, after Origin, I thought after Origin three that Daly definitely deserved his spot. Before that, I was quite vocal that Nathan was. Uh, should have been halfback for Australia. Well, if you look at it, the form, Nathan's played better. He's won a grand final again, but I just think Daly deserves that number seven. There's two arguments with the combinations. You've got your Harry Grant, Ben Hunt, uh, Munster, which suits Daly. They've played together. But on the other side of the coin, you've got uh, Isaiah Yeo and Nathan that operate so good through the middle together. Yeah. I think I said it last week. When he chose the, the hookers that he did, um, I thought that Cherry had the the inside running. He's being very cagey, Mal. Like I, I've tried to talk to people within the camp over there in Manchester this week, and he said they're not. He's not really letting much go in terms of whether it's going to be dailies to lose or whether they'll use the first couple of games for a to get a look mm. at both. I, see I which think, one he goes. I'd probably think he's betwixt and between. Mm. Yeah, it's a good term. Well, let's what write was that, that again? down? Betwixt and between. So who do you think you'll start? Harry Grant starting. Uh, ben Hunt's starting, I believe. Here, Harry's off. Well, you Harry's off if, the bench. If, if you've got Hunt and Harry, then you have to go Daly and yeah. Munster. I'll be surprised if Daly, if Nathan doesn't work his way in. That's my my way of thinking. It's hard. It's going to be hard for Mal, given the fact Australia have like Fuji first up, and as Joey said, they might win by sixty. Who knows? Fuji will put up a great fight and end up being tight. You don't know. I, I hope so. But then I think when Nathan gets his chance, who do they play? The third game they have Italy, mm. so it's very hard to, to get draw to, a form to line. Compare, isn't it? Mm. We, you know what? Because New South Wales have struggled for a halfback before Nathan for so long. Mm. We haven't had this situation for years. But he'll, like he'll, he'll look. I think after this tournament, Nathan will be the halfback for ten years to come. Mm. And I'm, you know, I'd, I'd support him to the hill. I just think on this one, after Origin and after Origin three in particular. <laughs> Daly deserves first credit. That surprised me because you're a Nathan. Oh, mate, worship him. Worshipper. Yeah. Worship. No, wow. totally. Devout. Mate, Worth. I love it. I love the way he plays and I love the way how much he loves the game. I love what he's, that mm. he works so hard on his game. And 
He's still going to improve and improve. I just think on this one, Daly deserves first crack. I pray at the Church of Cleary, accept the Eucharist. Body of Christ, amen. Uh, New Zealand versus <laughs> Lebanon. Michael Checker is coach. Great to see Check there uh, getting involved with the Lebanese side. They want um, Mitchell Moses in the mm. team, which is great for and the Skipper. Lebanon squad. And Skipper, awesome. Um, Can I just say that? He must have the best partner. He was allowed to go to the semi-final when she gave birth. And then she's let him go away to a yeah. World Cup. Yeah. And all respect to Lebanon, yeah. like he's not playing for Australia. No, you no. would say Lebanon is a minnow. And so and saying, instead of saying, baby. hey, how about, you know, you missed the birth. I think you got to, I need to sleep in now and yeah. then. I think Trish can learn a thing or two of that, that lady. Yeah. Tolerance. Hope you're listening, mate. Uh, New Zealand versus Lebanon. I said before, well done to the Lebanese. So they're, they're looking good. Mate, I think this is... And I, it, the proof will be in the pudding after the series. Okay, but I think this is the best coup we said I have ever seen. I reckon of all time. Ooh, is the, you got we, jo- can can Australia and New Zealand? No, no. semi final. Oh, I know. But it's because Australia because so, they're they're ranked fourth in the world. Who are Australia? Mm. Because they haven't played for four years. Who's who's designed that, Mister Magoo? No, it's just because they haven't played. What a joke! So what are this? For so they're on the same side. It's, it's a, it, it, well, that's the thing, though. As we said earlier, it cruels the the final. Well, Jerome Hughes, Joey Manu, Dylan Brown, the Cheese, Mulatano, you got Tarpany, Fisher Harris, Moses Leota, the Bromwich Brothers, Nelson Soft Solomona, and it goes on and on and on. Uh, watching the way they played about time, the thing that'll really suit Michael Maguire, well, make it easy for Michael, Michael Maguire, <coughs> is there a. They're a run first pass second team. All the blokes in the key position, they just drill through the middle. Do you think fantastic they, team? They they can really beat Australia. I, can't I, they? I think they'll win the tournament. Yeah, yeah. So it's what's all, a, what's a look, look like? Will Samoa get through? Well, or does Samoa play Tonga? Well, this is the thing. There's Samoa, Tonga, and England on. on how, how, side. How's the Poms team on paper? Uh, it's look. It's not bad on paper. My my concern, Joey, was the fact that when I watched Leeds. Okay, they they played Samoa. Leeds had a couple out. I know it's Leeds, but they were the grand finalists. And mate, New Zealand just beat them seventy four nil. My my concern about England is the fact that we've had a spike in this in in the quality of our football in the last two years, where I'm unsure where the English Super League sits. Yeah, mm. yeah, so, it's come back, hasn't it? So who? Well, the Super League. This first game is going to be huge. The for Super League is in between NRL and reserve grade. The top two teams top four teams in Super League could compete with the bottom eight teams of the NRL. The top eight teams would beat them by 30 on their day. Mm. Look at the England time. It's a pretty good team. Uh, unfortunately, John Bateman, he's out with suspension, isn't he? Oh, no, yes. no he, he, in one of the finals, he hit Aiden Caesar. Yes, he, he did. He got sent off. Yeah, he did. Uh, but good looking team. Good yeah, to see Dominic Young there. Good and to also, see Also, uh, Knights fans, there's a guy on the bench, Kai Pierce-Paul. From Wigan, a big back rower. Big He's signing. signing. With the yep, yep, he is. Uh, boys. would give us strength. Okay. We talked about <laughs> before. That's a big one. England, Samoa, and Tonga. One of those three sides will be in the final. Really hard to split them how it's going to work. This, this first game, opening game, England and Samoa is going to be absolutely huge. But on the other side, semi final, almost, you know, it's a dollar five that it's going to be New Zealand versus Australia. Well, That's going to be some sort of semi final. It is, it is. So just go. So you don't think Tonga can push for a final spot? No, I do. I right. do think what about one Samoan? of those three. What about the Samoan team? Yeah. My gosh. It's but I mean, that's team. a game. Samoa, Tonga. Well, that, oh, I reckon yes. that's my pick to be the semi final. 
So if you've got Australia, New Zealand, Samoa versus Tonga on one, that that will be a phenomenal game. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I think they, I think they can get through. My gut feel is either be Tonga or Samoa in the World Cup final. What time's the kickoff? England Samoa. Uh, Sunday morning, twelve thirty, yeah, well, twelve thirty a.m. But oh, okay. the, 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 the night games, the, no, the night games are great because, like, if you get up, if you're an early riser, like five thirty, you can, it's yeah. doable. You know? Yeah, well, that's well, the other option. Mm. Well, just go through. Yeah. yeah, I'll be up early, <laughs> milking the goats. So I'll just go. We'll take a break. Sound <laughs> advice next. Whatever you bet on, take it to the next level. Gamble responsibly. And today, look for Ned's. There is no Timsey. He uh, well accidentally locked himself in his sauna. So filling in, we've got James Coglin. James, welcome to Morning Glory, mate. Good morning. I feel like I should clarify. I heard it was actually a tanning salon, not the sauna. <laughs> it was. It, it was. He, he doesn't realise. I said, mate, those things are dangerous, and he just didn't believe me. He's, he, uh, anyway, that's Timsy for you. We know that, Timsy. Now, what a, what a day's racing tomorrow. Firstly, the Everest, James. Yes, the world's richest race on turf. $15 million going on the line, and reigning champion Nature Strip is the one that they're out to beat again. He's currently a $2.25 favourite at Ned's. Really good value about if you're keen to take him on, though. Eduardo has firmed $11 into 18 and Jackanot rates as a key winning chance as well at around the $12 mark. Yep. Okay, now the Caulfield Cup. Yeah, it's probably the most open Group 1 race of the season. Smoking Romans currently holds $4.80 favouritism. He was very good in the Turnbull Stakes a fortnight ago, but will need to be at his best to win this race. Well, there's been interest for plenty here at Ned's, including Knight's Order, $19 into 11 and Allegron, $13 into 10 James, what about Ned's Classic? Kiwi Raider Mr Maestro has recorded dominant wins in his last two starts. He's the early Victoria Derby favourite, and he's a $1.70 favourite to win this race. But there has been an interest move for Red Sun Sensation, $8 into 5. James, we appreciate your time. Mate, just let Timsey know, mate, he's had a great year. Unfortunately, fell at the last hurdle, but that's uh, that's Timsey for you. That's what we do in the content team. Yes, and remember, people, gamble responsibly. Ned's Same Game Multi is available on more sports than ever before. Take it to the Ned's level. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Yes, welcome back, and it's time for uh, Sound Advice. And this year, uh, Jack Johns has covered off some of the most uh, iconic albums ever. But uh, what a way to finish. No more iconic Australian album than this one. ACDC's Highway to Hell. Jack Johns, welcome, brother. Morning, fellas. Or should I say son? Anyway, mate, pretty good album to finish on, Jack. Yeah, yeah, not a bad album at all. We did um, we did Back in Black about mid-year, and we, we went into this a little bit, but, um, yeah, the last album with Bon Scott, this is uh, this is one of their best. Yeah, it's one of the tragedies, isn't it, Jack, that, you know, he, he laboured and worked and toiled so long, you know, playing sort of beer barns and different places, and just when they were about to explode, passes away tragically. Yeah, yeah, it's quite funny that there's a there's a fair pattern there. Like uh, with all their albums, they especially in the US, where you know now they're they're, they're massive. Um, the Let There Be Rock album went to peaked at one fifty four over there on their charts. This album peaked at um, number forty seven in the US, and then obviously the next album, which was their biggest ever, uh, Back in Black 
went to number four. So yeah. you could just see it slowly, slowly about to happen for them. Jack, where do you rate this album? So I had a look at uh, it was rated uh, the greatest Australian albums of all time, you know, one through to, to 200. This was rated number 50, which I think it should be far high. I think it was been underestimated. Where do you put this album as far as ACDC albums? Do you see it as the equal or just below Black, Back in Black? I'd say it's uh, I'd say number two behind Back in Black, but um, in, in the Rolling Stones in, in 2003 they did their 500 greatest albums of all time, and this was ranked uh, number 200 between The Strokes, Is This It, and The Nine Inch Nails, The Downward Spiral. But when they updated it in 2020, which we've spoken about a few times, uh, it didn't even feature in the 500 greatest album. Wow. So it just goes to show, yeah. Jack, inspiration for the title track. Uh, nothing well I'll give you a quote here from Rolling Stone uh, a 2003 review by Gret Not Gret, Gret Cott sorry uh, he says Who? ACDC sh- Gret Cott uh, it sounds like it sounds like I'm talking to Mo Sislak trying to stitch someone up uh, <laughs> he did the, uh, huge ass <laughs> <laughs> He, uh, his quote says, ACDC showed how much fun true tastelessness could be. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I, 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 I was watching something on like this. So apparently the Highway to Hell obviously describes the, the gruelling tour schedules that these bands go under. But it's also a nickname for the Canning Highway in WA from Fremantle to Raffles, which in the 70s was the hard-drinking rock and roll place that Bon Scott used to go. So that's okay. that's the stretch there that was nicknamed for them <laughs> the highway to hell. Reading the book, uh, mm, the last one on Bob go. Scott, he uh, it was amazing what a great <laughs> poet he was. Like it, truly, yeah. he was a poet, like a working class uh, ruffian, but amazing poet. He would just go and like scribble down little lines and things like that in terms of phrase, and then use them in songs. He was really like Jack. The nature of the character, the larrikin, underestimated what real talent he had as a songwriter. Yeah, yeah. When some of the quotes from the, the, their bandmates, they talk about, you know, when Brian took over, he had that unbelievable voice, but Bon had those skills of writing where he, all those early albums from Power Ridge to High Voltage, Dirty Deeds, uh, Let There Be Rock, it just like he wrote um, with the young boys um, on a fair few of those albums. And, and when, so on that same review, um, that Greg Cott, as we were speaking about earlier, he, he said that, um, High Voltage and Dirty Deeds, those two albums, is where the band found where its strengths lied between Malcolm and Angus's, Angus Young's uh, guitars barking at each other, which I think was probably further emphasised when they went when they went better, um, even bigger with Back in Black after Bond's death. Just just quickly, Jack, the, I'm, I'm just thinking this here. Uh, the controversy around the song Night Prowler. Night Prowler, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a, um, yeah well, I, can we go into it? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think we can. Serial, serial I think killer stuff? We'll, yeah. we'll call him a serial killer. Yeah, there was uh, there was all this controversy around um, when they talked earlier and when I was doing some research on them and they spoke about how the album was influenced by serial killers, uh, drugs and alcohol. So um, obviously it's a yeah quite a touchy subject with that one. Yeah, yeah it was uh, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker that was... Yeah. That was operating in, in LA a few years after in, this. In album. that Netflix doco that yeah. came out last year, and he wore the ACDC. Yeah, he'd yeah. leave it. it yeah. Sometimes he'd leave it at the scene. Yeah, the and ACDC well, he left. The, he left a hat accidentally at one of the scenes. So that's yeah. so they got it. They 
they were accused of inspiring Richard Ramirez, and he's not a nice guy. Uh, Rick Rubin, Jack, who, you know, one of the greatest music producers ever, huge fan of ACDC. And I was reading, he was talking about this book. He absolutely loves this album. Uh, his favourite song was Problem Child, but he tells a story. He went and saw them around this time at Madison Square Garden. They were a support for Ted Nugent. They were so good. Ted Nugent refused to go on. To go on. But yeah. Oh. <laughs> they were just so good. So on the, yeah. on that, what, what a shame. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, in the middle of the road. Apparently this tour was so big in the States because this was the one that they really, really cut their teeth on. Um, people that saw him, that were inf- that saw ACDC, <laughs> that were influenced. Eddie Van Halen was influenced. Gary Moore, who was there for, with yeah. Lizzie. And apparently a 15-year-old James Hetfield wow. saw them. And a couple of years later formed Metallica. But yeah. apparently he said there was that it was that tour that he saw ACDC that went. Wow. wow. I'm sure the lead singer of Rage Against the Machine also. He was a massive fan. Yeah, right. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. It's, it's like the, the similar thing happened. And he campaigned pistols. for one of the songs to go up in the all-time greatest songs mm. ever written. Yeah. Jack, I, you know, this is a – people debate this all the time. Are you a Brian or a Bond man? You know, firstly – which talk take characters out. Who do you believe your ears has the best voice? Me, sorry. Yes, Ooh. yes. Oh uh, yeah. That's a cool um, one. <laughs> uh, that's a, yeah. That's a tough one. I, I like I like Bond, but um, but it's it's hard to go past some of those songs with Brian, like Hell's Bells, mm. um, Shook Me All Night Long, and, and later on mm. Thunderstruck. Oh yeah. It's, it, I mean, that's it's it's so silly. It's very, I mean, it, it's really funny because that part of the world, okay, so so he's from Newcastle Pontine. He's a Geordie, Brian Johnson, which is only a stone's throw from Scotland. And some of that the similar voice, Bond Scott's heritage from Scotland. You've got Jimmy Barnes, Swanee, and those guys. There is something about that part of the world produces that sound. They're, they're very, How would you describe their, that voice? It's like guttural. They're very yeah. lucky they caught lightning in a bottle twice. Yeah, Ooh, right. There you yeah. go. Take There's that. been some great descriptions on this segment. Well, they did. Say. Like, if you know, a lot of bands try and replicate a singer in the second. Like, no, not many do. Iron Maiden did it, mm. but um, they don't usually succeed. No. And I think with Brian Johnson, wow, what a replacement for well, a singer. Mm. Jack, I mean, you, you tip your hat to him. What about the pressure going in as Brian Johnson? And all the naysayers would have been yeah. going, no way, no way this will work. It yeah. ends up being. Well, uh, Biggest rock and roll album of all time, Back in Black. Did you guys know that at the end, I, I, this is the first time I picked it up, the last thing that's said on the album from Bon Scott is Nanu Nanu. Did you know that? I, I did. More. Nanu Nanu, I did not. We'll, 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 we'll clip it up and we'll play later. He, he says Nanu Nanu. Isn't there a real controversy at the moment around Bon Scott's death? What? Australian Story did, Australian yeah. story oh, did yes. a piece. What are they saying? It, it was, could be foul play. No, I think no, I think great. at the time they just yeah. said it was misadventure, alcohol poisoning. He choked on his I own think, vomit. Yeah, yeah but I think it was kind of yeah. like, oh yeah, that's what it looks like, and we'll just move on. It was um, mm. acute alcohol poisoning, and on his death certificate, it's in quotes, "death by misadventure." Mm. Yeah, mm. It, it's a tragic when you see it in the Australian story because he went to. A Are mate's, you listening, Joey? It was, oh, yeah. a, it was a mate's place. I am, and he went. Across, he went inside and said, "Don't worry, I'll sleep in the car." 
And he yeah. came out, his mate, and put a blanket on him in the car and then came out the next and said, geez, Bond's sleeping in, went out there and he passed. It's kind, of, it's kind of like the Jimi Hendrix thing, isn't it, as well? Wasn't yeah. it the same sort of... It, was he 27? Is he so part what of the 27 trying to imply club? In those, it, was, it was 33. 33, oh, sorry, sorry there was 33 clubs. There, there, there was another sort of... What was that Australian story? <laughs> was yeah, it, that was on Bond Scott. Yeah, but, I know, but it was, there's, that yeah. came out, and there, but there's been different books written by different people. I think Jeff Apter's just got one out Jeff at the Apter, moment. Jeff yeah. Jesse Fink. Wrote one. And that's the one that's years. annoyed the family. Mm. Jack Johns, A-plus to F-minus for the final album of the year. Uh, let's give it an A-plus, eh? Let's finish on a high, Cobber. Uh, you know what? God bless you. And, mate, happy birthday for tomorrow, mate. Hey, Jack, are you coming to the Everest with me? You're supposed to ring me the other week, the other day. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm about to head up to, to Sydney in about an hour. I'll, I'll give you a ring on the way. Right, uh, Would you say going up to Sydney from Newcastle or you're going down? You're going down. down. down you're probably down. going down, actually. Down, down. Probably down. It's like the down. sound. Down, down to Sydney town. Hey, mate, just do us a favour when you get there with Charlie. I walked her this morning. Just feed her and clear out the kitty litter as well. <laughs> uh, good on you, mate. Well, I will see you tomorrow. See you, mate. I will see you, see you later. We'll take a break. Search and enjoy next. Shazma. Naru, naru. Yes, and we're getting to the pointy end of the last show of the year. God, I'm getting all emotional. <laughs> Smoke gets in my eyes. Just cutting onions here, guys. Uh, it's time for uh, Search and Enjoy. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been to Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota, Buffalo, Toronto, Winslow, Sarasota, Wichita, Tulsa, Ottawa, Oklahoma, ah. Panama, Ben, that, that is the perfect song to have at the start of this discussion about a road trip through the southern states of America. Because if you like Johnny Cash, then this is for you, Memphis, Tennessee. <coughs> Big cool. Oh, sorry. You got to play something there. No, no, Carl. <laughs> when you said <laughs> Memphis, Tennessee, you no, did no, it with no, a no. sort of point. No, no, I thought no, you were going to kick in. I was no. emphasising the point in the studio. And I, I've said this before. That is actually not a Johnny Cash song. It was written by an Australian guy called Lucky Star. Yes. Yes, and Lucky Star. And it's been covered so many times, one of which being Johnny Cash. Oh, I thought it was the other way around. No, no. Right, uh, Lucky Star was the original writer. Is he still going, Lucky Star? Yeah, rest in peace, old mate. I don't know. I don't know if he is or not. <laughs> if he, if he is, I apologise to the family. Is he related to Lucky Grills? Uh, no, but John Starr. Okay. Um, what do you got for us, uh, Benny? Yeah, so we're so, going down south. Yeah, so I did, I did a trip once and then we, we flew into Memphis, Tennessee, as I said. And then we sort of drove down through the, the southern part of Tennessee to Mississippi, down into uh, Louisiana, oh, yeah. down into New Orleans. Uh, and we experienced the um, we went down went down the Mississippi on a um, one of the oh, um, steamboats steam steamboat and uh, yeah ended up in Bourbon Street and Frenchman Street and I tell you what the southern states of America um, much maligned um, you know historically but it is if you like if you like music if you like rock and roll if you like the nightlife it is a heaving wonderland yeah. for um, if, you know well. Getting out and getting amongst it. Throw in every place I've been to in the world, including Las Vegas. I've never had more fun than Nashville. Yeah, well, Nashville was the most fun. Right? Was the, the most fun place I've ever been in my well, life. Why? Um, just the whole vibe of Nash Vegas, the big street, mm. that, and you go there and the music, like where we, it goes, the music. It, some of it's twenty four hours, but there was a place called yeah. Roberts Western World. The bloke concierge said, "Mate, you got to go to that place." So me and Fano. We would turn up every day at 10 a.m. 
the doors had opened, and the same guy would be there, and Licking he would just handles. he'd be on the guitar and playing this guy. He'd play there for three hours, and I said, "Fernando's a music guy, right? I've got mm. a record label." I said, "This guy," and he goes, "Mate, the only thing he hasn't got that Keith Urban has is the looks." He there was, and you could walk into any bar, and they were world class acts. It wow. was incredible. Um, Kid Rock's got a bar there, and. You walk in and it it'd be just absolutely heaving, and these world class artists and me and Gordy were there and we're talking to the manager and we said, mate, this place is unbelievable. What does this place turn over? He said, turns over thirty five million dollars a year. I said, what do you pay the acts? He said, the acts do it for tips and they do it to be discovered. Yeah, yeah, and it's the same. Like there's a that famous movie, If Beale Street Could Talk, mm. Memphis Beale Street in Memphis uh, on a Saturday night. It's un- it is a street festival that explodes, and it's just and on either side you've got the legendary bars, BB King. So if you like you like blues, you like rock, you like country, it is, just spills out onto the street. The, the presence in Memphis, the uh, the footprint of Elvis Presley, yep. can you escape it? No, and like some of the like you got obviously you got Graceland, which you go to see. We we were lucky enough. I was over there with um, the TV production. We got to jump over the velvet rope. And go into his living room his crypt. with all the uh, with all the you know plush carpet and stuff. It was really. really Is it cool. a big place? No, it's tiny. It's actually a really small place. We went down to his racquetball court, yeah. but like the house itself is, it, it, you know, it's not a it's not a big place. Modest. But um, and then you've got then I've got Sun Studios. So if you like Johnny Cash and if you've seen the movie Walk the Line and yeah. when mm. he walks in and he plays Folsom Prison Blues for that that Sun Studio. So you can go in there and they've got a little cross on the ground and you can stand where Johnny Cash sung Walk the Line. Yeah. So you get, it's one of those real, like you get goosebumps because you go, wow, this is, this is, this, is this is it. And yeah. it's where, it's where Elvis Presley sung, um, what was his, his first song? Um, uh, Mama. Uh, that's Mama. all right, Mama. That's all right, Mama. Yeah. So you can, you can go to those sort of places. And then when you're done with every bit of rock and roll that Memphis has, then you start to go south uh, through Mississippi, which what, is. What is Mississippi like? Uh, it's rural. It's steeped in history, and I like to think it's a it's true American culture. Like you know, you go to your small little towns, you know, um, remnants of Civil War history everywhere. You can go to Vicksburg on the way down. Like there's it, you know, it's it's steamy, it's hot. You can smell it. Like it's it's that real. And the people along the way are so good. Like you know, you think of the people in the south of these bunch of rednecks. Yeah, it's you know they're like. Queenslanders, really. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. they're just lovely, yeah. down-to-earth people. Yes, they have some, you know, they, yeah. in the past they've had some definite views, but but, um, but they're great people. What about the French influence down there? Yeah, well, you've got Creole, which yeah. is the cuisine down there, gumbo and all that sort of, you know, food, and, you know, or your crayfish and stuff like that. But, yeah, once you get down to New Orleans, it's really, uh, you know, the French quarter, mm. as you know. What was is, Tell me about New Orleans. Uh, okay, so... New Orleans, um, Bourbon Street, as as Webby mentioned before, that's sort of the place that everyone goes. That's sort of like the frat boy. Um, it's the place where, um, you know, Gold Coast. Gotcha. Then mm. around the corner, there's Frenchman's. Now, Frenchman's is where you want to go if you want to see real music in New Orleans. Like, it's it's all in the, in the French Quarter still, but it's like, you know, you've got the Black Cat, you've got all the jazz bars, you've got the band, the big bands on the street, where you throw the money and they'll, you know, there's like 30 guys with big trombones and they're all playing. So it's got that sort of vibe. Um, but, you know, it, like any American city, it's 
it's seedy. There's a seediness to yeah. it. Like you don't have to walk too far around a corner yeah. to get yourself in serious trouble. Yeah. But Matt, um, Matty Nabel shot a movie there once, and he was standing at an ATM. He said, all of a sudden, found something pointy in his back and had to hand over the money. Yeah. Really? It was, it was a knife. Yeah, right. It was a knife. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we, we, um, oh, so he got held up at an ATM there. Yeah. But it's one yeah. of those great things. Like we were reading a news story when we were there, and um, there was a, a photo that showed um, in the French Quarter, we were there, Brad Pitt throwing a beer across the little alleyways, because you know how they've got the old French-style thing, to Matthew McConaughey, who were, they were staying opposite each other. And you sort of go, these tiny little pockets in that town, like, yeah. you know, big celebrities love it and they get in there. And obviously, the Garden District um, is another area. Okay. Sandra Bullock, sort okay. of. That's two, her. two part question. First part, if you could go and spend a week on a holiday at any of those places you went, yep. which one would you go New to? Orleans. New Orleans. Right. Absolutely, absolutely, because it's the stuff around it. Like we went out on, um, you know, fan boats mm. with the with the gators, mm. uh, eating grits. And whether you're in New Orleans Saints, I am fan. only yeah. recently, mm. only the last sort of. The late, yeah. But did did you get to the Superdome at all? No, nah, we didn't get to the Superdome, but because we were sort of obviously they're filming, so we were like, as I said, out with alligators, and then we were out. Um, then we were going to the plantation houses and stuff, like where they filmed True Detective. And when did you go? Mm. Uh, time of year? No, what year? Ooh, was it pre? Was it pre hurricane? No, it was post hurricane. Okay. I was actually the cameraman that we were there with was there for the hurricane for the coverage, right? And in to get into New Orleans, you sort of um, it's the long like the bridge, the long one road in, one road out. Yeah. Right. And he said the last time he went through there, the military were on the bridge, not letting anyone out. So he was there with Mike Amor, who's obviously wow. reads Seven News now, but yeah. he was US. They said they went in there with a box of Mars bars, and that's all they had, wow. except in their car. He said it was like going into, war like zone. he'd done war zones, and he said that time there was the scariest. Look, let's keep this quick, Benny, but okay, so that's where you go to travel. If you had to move your family and live somewhere in Southern America, where would you go? Ooh, I'd go to Atlanta. Yeah, really? Yeah, because I have a friend that lives in in the southern suburbs around Atlanta. It's incredible. Is yeah, it really? I, yeah, I've been. I was there for a Super Bowl. Good, huh? It's yeah. a great city. Yeah, You're right. Oh, well, there you go. Learning something there you every go, day. Mate. Good one. Good one, <laughs> Benny. Loved it, mate. We'll take a break. Our tips coming up. And what a weekend of sport we have got coming up. So much going on, including uh, the Everest and Caulfield Cup. Uh, the World Cup's kicking off. Joey, um, to it. Three things from you. Want a tip for the Everest? Tip for the Caulfield Cup? And give us a multi on uh, Salmo versus England. Okay. Everest, lost and running. And the Caulfield Cup, smoke and Roman. Jamie Carr, down the down in the weights. Going to be wet down there. And uh, for the World Cup, back the Aussies, giving away 39 and a half. And back to England, 1 to 12, George Williams, anytime tri- try scorer. Okay. Webby? Uh, I'm New Zealand, Lebanon. Oh, so in the Everest, I like Mars Crusader, depending on yeah, the track. You said that, yeah. Who's, who's riding it again? Um, uh, William Pike. Oh, he's but a really I just, good the Hawks, the Hawks are cagey. And I thought after, I, when, it, when, it, when it finished third last start, I went, they're building something bigger. Mm-hmm. Funnily, funnily enough, the $15 million race. Yeah. Uh, I'll just take everything with New Zealand. New Zealand off the stick. New Zealand to cover the line. New Zealand, to, the match, the match uh, uh, points score to be fifty-two and a half over, and Manu to score. Yeah, man, he's going to be. He, he could be. Uh, Manu could be the player of the tournament very easily. And if you're not shaking, you haven't put enough on. Gamble uh, responsible. I, yes, of course, old mate. Uh, tip for the Everest. 
I'm going. I'm going Eduardo. Simply because Eduardo is one of those horses that just wings surprises out of, out of nowhere. Yeah. Giant killer. Caulfield Cup, Benno. I'm going for. Oh, going I like good. That, the 10. Uh, and Australia versus Fiji, the multi tip. Look, Australia to win, giving away the 39.5. Uh, Joey spoke about that before. I think that's a gimme. And Latrell Mitchell to score two tries or more. Benny, got anything for uh, the weekend? Everest, I've already backed uh, Lost and Running. And in the Caulfield, I like uh, Hell Hath No Fury. Named after my wife. Yes. Good call. Well, She's listening. So oh. Someone's going to be in the bad books. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's, someone's sleeping on the lounge tonight. You're a cheeky boy. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, Maestro, what about the A-League this week? Have, have you got something for us? I Saturday A-League. night. Yeah. Yeah, it's away. Pa- it's up and run. It was a very good round. It's still going. Mate, yeah. Maestro's very a good, good round. Fan of Who do you yeah. follow? I'm Sydney FC. Have they got any marquee players? No marquees, but we have brought in a couple of good no, winners. No, what, sorry, in, in the A-League. Oh, Nani. Yeah. Oh, no. N- yeah, Nani. Nani has come down, the former Manchester United winger. Used yeah. to play opposite Cristiano Ronaldo for yeah. quite a while. Okay. That's as big a name as very, we've got this year. Very good. Um, Melbourne victory, back at home against the Wanderers. Back them giving away a goal and a half. Yeah. They'll win that game easily. Okay, we're going to take a uh, break. And it's uh, sad goodbyes next. Yes, people, and we have hit the uh, the end of the road, as the boys to men would say. <laughs> uh, my favourite band. Uh, shout out to the boys. Rest in peace, Lucy. Oh, b- by the way, Lucky Grills is still going. Is he? Mm. Oh, I love Lucky, Lucky Grills. Same with... Uh, <laughs> He's 81. 81. Mate. Was he in Bar Jars? Yes. yes. Yeah, they did was. that voiceover. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That was the... Watching a bit of the late show, yeah. The late very, show, very good yeah, show, there you go. guys. Thank you so much for the year, Webby. Outstanding, good thank work, you, Joey. Thank you, uh, Denon, mate. You're over in uh, Spain at the moment, about to watch El Clasico. You just looked up, I did, mate. Rest in peace, <laughs> mate. Yeah, mate. Spain's up there, you know. We're getting Europe, uh, Benny, best producer in the business. You've done it again, mate. Great job, thank you, mate. awesome, Maestro. Absolutely brilliant, mate. Fantastic. Pleasure Great addition you. to the show, Matty Party, who's out there too, mate. Really pre- appreciate Party. your contribution yeah, as well. Name. We have people, I tell you what, have a good end of year, have a good Christmas, and in summer, don't forget to water your plants. See you guys. Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Tyre Power's Bigfooty final sale can't last. Visit tyrepower.com.au now.